And so, after serving a short term as vice president, Joe was elected the president of America. Frito became vice president, and Rita, the former prostitute, became first lady. Today I step into the shoes of a great man, a man by the name of Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. Under President Notshore's leadership, a new era dawned. You know, there was a time in this country when smart people were considered cool. Well, Maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon. And there was a time in this country, a long time ago, when reading wasn't just for f and neither was writing. People wrote books and movies, movies that had stories. So you cared whose ass it was and why it was farting, and I believe that time can come again. Joe and Rita had three children, the three smartest kids in the world. Vice President Frito took eight wives and had a total of 32 kids. 32 of the dumbest kids ever to walk the earth. Neighbors, Romans, ladies, gentlemen, countrymen, boys, girls, children of all ages, thank you for coming along. It's 503 733 2970. It's five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of October. In the year of our Lord 2008, this, my friends, mi compadres, uh, my amigos, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and frustration. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733-2970, we are here uh, from the uh, flushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, the talker. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. It is uh, 503-733-2970. When you email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com, Tim at 970.am, Sarah at 970.am, or uh, Richie with a T at 970.am. The great thing about that little idiocracy open we just played is it's so perfect in that he doesn't even start as president. He actually starts as vice president. It's all just so perfect and awful. There you go. It is uh, Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. Okay, all kinds of breaking news already today, so I guess... madness. So the House has now passed the bailout bill, yes? This is like 470 pages, and I'm on page 204, which has the inclusion of fuel derived from shale and tar sands. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Don't call How it does that me. become part of this? I don't know. There's something for everyone in here. Well, didn't and we report yesterday that there was 
Gordon Smith wanted something to fund archery ranges for children? Oh, for children, yeah. yeah. This is the inclusion of fuel derived from shale and tar sands. And that's page 204. Out of, uh, oh, this has 450 pages. I'm going to keep going here. All right. A benefit for bicycle commuters? Tim Riley today will be reading all 407 pages of the bailout bill, not, you know, like on the air or anything, but he'll be giving you the highlights. He reads books so you don't have to, kids. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City. Uh, he was covering the vice presidential debate last night. We'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Uliano joins us as well, giving us his insight as only he can. I guess that goes without saying. If it's his insight, I guess nobody else can really do it. That's what we call a linguistic redundancy right there. Uh, let's see. Uh, today's top five, Andy the homeschool kid will be coming in today in the 2 o'clock hour. He'll be uh, giving us his top five teenage angst moping songs. By the way, a little fun fact here. So Andy's been calling on the show for quite some time. The listeners have sort of a low-grade fascination with him. Andy is sort of, don't take offense at this, Andy. He, Andy is sort of the new booby doctor in many ways. Uh, so he's going to come in today. He's real. Hey, but he's a real actually, boy. But he's here. Uh, so Andy will be coming in to count down his top five teenage moping songs. He is 16 years of age as of now. It is so great. He was actually sending me the list, and he took great pains to note that he goes, well, you know, now that I'm older, I don't mope as much as I used to. So now that Andy has become a man, I think his moping has decreased. But back from when he was a mere boy, uh, he will be giving us his top five angst-ridden uh, teenage lovelorn moping songs. What else coming up today? Glorious Bastard of the Week. I hold it right here in my hand. It could be you. What else do we have? Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com, filmfeverradio.com will be uh, here in the studio to review, I swear to God, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. So there you go. Which is sort of perfect because it has been a whole week of lowered expectations and softening brains. So he will be reviewing a movie filled with small talking dogs. All right. Uh, let's see. Penis Watch coming up today. Uh, Jesus, what else? Well, we're going to do all kinds of recap about uh, last night. So thanks to everybody who uh, joined us uh, for the vice presidential debate on this very fine radio station from this studio. Last night, Storm Large was here, Tim Riley, myself, doing running commentary for, during the vice presidential debate. If I sound a little loopy today, it's because I just spent all day yesterday. I got home last night at, I don't know, maybe 830 because we did the whole debate, and we did the wrap-up, and then I actually had to go upstairs to my office, and I hadn't answered a single email. I hadn't, I hadn't shuffled a single piece of paper. I hadn't walked from one office to the other to put something from an inbox into an outbox, something from delivered to non-delivered. I hadn't moved around any scraps of to-do on my, uh, my desk all day long. So we got done with the debate. I walk up to my office, I'm doing all my stuff. Uh, you know, my wife calls me. We talk real briefly about the debate, then I go home. I went home, and then the dog, my, the new puppy we have, immediately started destroying something valuable. So I had to, like, you know, no, bad dog, Philo, bad. And then you realize that you're using English words that the dog doesn't understand, and then it's a whole, anyway. So then I, when I went to bed, and I couldn't go to sleep, I just laid awake in bed last night staring at the ceiling and just had the vice presidential debate looping around in my head over and over again for, like, no readily apparent reason. I wasn't, like, really thinking about it or pondering on it, ruminating about anything that happened. It was just the face of Joe Biden, the voice of Sarah Palin, and occasionally Roland Martin in his pinstripe suit uh, showing up showing up in my brain going, Well, I don't know. I don't know that there was a real clear winner. Look at my suit. It's fantastic. And it was just like this weird melange of CNN images that were keeping me from sleeping. So, and then I got it this morning, and I came in here and just immediately confronted a mountain of things to do. And here I am now providing entertainment for the people because it's what we do here. Monday through Friday, 11 to 3, as only we can. Anyway, so I'm a little bit crazy today. Not a whole lot crazy. A little bit crazy. 
Um, so we will talk about last night's vice presidential debate. Uh, Storm and Tim and I did the commentary last night, which was which is great. I was actually listening back to part of it uh, this morning because Lisa Wood uh, from KUFO was listening to it. A lot of people. It's going to be up as a podcast later on today, by the way. I don't think it's up now because the file is it's huge. It's, it's like 80 megs or something. So we got to chop it up, squish it down a little bit, and we'll put it up. Uh, so you will be able to listen to last night's vice presidential debate with commentary by Storm, Tim, and myself. Uh, probably a couple hours that'll be up. But um, I was listening back to it today, and you can tell that for the like the first 20 minutes or so of last night's debate, we weren't quite sure when to weigh in, when to hold back, what we could talk about. When, and by about the half hour mark, though, I think we just were an effort, and we just started kind of running our mouths about whatever struck our fancy. And I think it ended up being the ended up being pretty genius. There were moments though when I would look over. And Storm was sort of sitting right here to my uh, to my right. I look over, and it's like her fists were just... I expected her to stand up and start punching the television at certain points throughout the evening. I mean, every time Sarah Palin would smirk, every time Sarah Palin would wait for it, wink at the camera, or every time Joe Biden would transpose a word or start to say Bush and then instead say Obama, or start to say Iraq but then accidentally say Afghanistan, every time Biden would fumble something... It was like I could just see Mr. Hand becoming Mr. Fist, and I kept waiting for Storm just to get on her feet and start pummeling the screen, which didn't happen. Boy, there was a lot of drinking last night. Not on our part, of course, because we're responsible broadcasters, except for Storm and Sarah. But uh, we were doing this drinking game throughout last night's vice presidential debate here in the studio, and I'm going to read some of the email I got. Last I mean, I have your stack of email probably. It's a quarter of an inch thick. There's a woman named, I shouldn't give her name, but there's a woman who emailed at the beginning of the debate last night. And she said, hey, can't wait to hear the debate. I'm sure it's going to be a good time. I'll be drinking along uh, with you guys every time you ring the bell. You know, can't wait for everything to begin. The woman sends another, another email around 630. Hey, great debate so far. I'm a little lit, but it's a good time. Thanks. Woo. Around 7 o'clock, the same woman sends us an email. And that's when the words start to run together. The commas put everywhere, apostrophes where they don't belong. And then she sends a final email around 7.30 where nothing is spelled correctly and it's one long wash of letters all thrown onto the page, E.E. Cumming style, with no attempt at punctuation whatsoever. And then the final email this woman sent last night, and she clearly had been drinking every time we told her to drink, every time we rang the bell. By this woman's final email, she did in fact, she did in fact actually misspell the word drink. So there you go. So I got a lot of drunken emails last night. So I got a lot of drunken text messages. Uh, and uh, I got a lot of drunken phone calls from <coughs> Sarah Dillon. All right. We'll talk about that in a second. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. All right now I'm reading this 471-page uh, thing that has all kinds of things stuck in it. This uh, House bill, which uh, passed moments ago, so the bailout, which you will pay for, is uh, about to get underway. Six Washington Mutual top executives have left that bank. Wells Fargo and Citibank are now fighting over who gets to buy Wachovia. Can you imagine fighting over buying something? <laughs> it's it's no. going on right now. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, a Portland loan officer who put together phony mortgages is pleading guilty to bank fraud, wire fraud, money laundering. There were a lot of them out there. So getting back to the debate. Sarah Palin does a little bit better last night, peppering her speech with, You're darn right. Doggone it. Yeah, instead of you. <laughs> Shakes her head, smiles, winks a lot. And I noticed there wasn't hardly any mention of God. Is this country no longer blessed by God? I don't think she said God at all, actually. It took them forever to say uh, to say Bush or George W. Bush. 
Uh, that was a thing that I thought we would not hear at all, and we didn't hear it much. It took him about an hour, and then she said it twice as just sort of a nod to the base, I think, just sort of a sop to the to the, to the far right wing, and then she kind of moved on. Sarah Dillon said uh, you could see her panty lines. Joe Biden nearly cried you lie. Like a woman. Is that no. true? When she walked out, it's like, come on, put on a thong there, sister. I can totally see her panty lines when she was standing there. Oh, i got to go back and watch. Damn, why don't we have HD in here? I'm sorry, Tim, go ahead. It was the highest rated debate since 1992. 33% more watched this one than the McCain-Obama debate. A gunman escapes following a tense Southeast standoff, which kind of got fresh underneath with all this news yesterday, and an out-year-old woman shoots herself inside her foreclosed home. All right, there you go. All of that plus your phone calls, Glorious Bastard of the Week, Aaron Duran, uh, Steve Kastenbaum, Dick Uliano, the top five. Um, and just more stuff than we could possibly uh, shake, not only the stick, uh, but the stick factory at. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented and, I'm guessing, hungover Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you? Really hungover. How are you, <laughs> I'm doing well. I've, I had the sense to not stay out too late, so I'm, I'm doing up just like wine kind of gets you the next day. Yeah. Especially if you're drinking a bottle of it by yourself. Mm-hmm. In what, and out. And the way, I thought you were with uh, friends last night. I was, but we each brought our own bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love you, Sarah Dillon. <laughs> you don't share the wine. You drink it. It's like it's one giant beverage. Just, plan- just waiting to be open. <laughs> okay. You can't waste it. It'll go bad. Uh-huh. All right. So you each brought your own bottle of wine to drink privately by yourself in seclusion. Oh, it looking was at me. genius. I thought that, I don't know, oh. I was I wanted to kiss Joe Biden on the mouth. Let me ask you today, do you still want to kiss Joe Biden totally, on the mouth? Totally. He's an attractive man. I would he say a, he has a certain sort of handsome quality. good-looking man. Right. And especially next to the, that shrieky shrew. Yeah. I don't know, like, I, I heard that, you know, that you and I were speaking, you're like, oh, wow, well, I think Sarah Palin did it. I just... I feel like we watch separate debates. I don't know. You're really giving a drastic revision, by the way, to the phone call last night because you were full on screaming at me over the phone. I I don't know how much you, how much of last night's phone call to me. Oh, I remember the phone call, and then that's when I continued to drink my bottle of wine. So I don't really remember much after that. Okay, so I should say this. So we do the debate last night. Storm and Tim and I are down here, and uh, the debate goes on at six. Steve Kastenbaum. We'll talk more about him in a few. Steve Kastenbaum did the uh, uh, the wraparound along with Lisa Desjardins. It was really cool to hear those guys do 22 unfiltered minutes. I mean, it was basically just. Uh, you know, there's no holds barred, just sort of political analysis, no interruption. It wasn't a 90-minute segment. He did get uh, sort of baba buoyed at the end by, by a call from Oregon. By a call from Oregon, there was a guy from Oregon who the guy called up. I couldn't figure out who Hillary Clinton was, and I can't figure out if it was a. I, I think it was real. I can't figure if it was a prank call or not. I think it was real. We'll go back and play it. Um, so we carried the CNN coverage last night, and Steve Castamon and Lisa Desjardins did the wraparound, and they did the opening and then the close. And then during the actual debate, it was Tim and Storm and I. And so as soon as everything was done, I went to my office and I was, just, I was answering my email, talked to my wife. And then you called me and I answered the phone. And my first words are, so are you really drunk right now? And you said, no, but let me tell you. And then you just launched into this whole thing uh, about how you and I were, in your opinion, watching different debates last night. Yes. Because you feel, or at least felt last night, uh, that Joe Biden was the clear, decisive winner. Oh, I definitely thought so. I think because... Uh, I was watching it on, what channel was it? 
I can't remember. It, well, I think it was just so apparent, abundantly clear to me because I was watching it on MSNBC and they'd put up the question that they were asked. Right. And then so you could see the question and then I think it, that made it a bit more obvious how right. Sarah Palin was not answering any of the questions. Oh, no, she didn't answer anything. That's not no. what she does. Well, she memorized phrases yeah. and they were longer sentences. She looked like a robot. She's just like sitting there and you can tell that she's just been at that debate camp and that those phrases have just been pounded into her over right. and over again. I don't know. I think that the every woman thing really grated on me a bit. I'm like, who are you to talk down to me? And stop saying you're, you're a typical American when you're a millionaire. She is, in fact. The best part was when she was talking about it, trying to figure out how she's going to put her kids through school. If you're a millionaire and you can't put your kids through school, you need to lay off the scratch-offs and the booze. That would just be my assessment as a pundit, as part of the chattering class. And uh, I think Joe Biden did a really good job of um, addressing McCain instead of, like, you know, kicking a little girl. You know, he must have been told just to ignore her. That's the thing. He was told not to even look yeah. at her. Uh, that, was that, our, that must have been one of the ground rules. Everybody's assessment last night, and I was talking to people this morning, same thing. Uh, he must have just been told, don't look at her, don't talk to her, don't acknowledge her, pretend she doesn't exist. Because I think there was only once during the entire debate that he actually made eye contact with her. And I thought it was a few more times than that, where when she's like, "Oh, Joe, <laughs> I'm saying it ain't Joe, so, Joe." Back, yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess maybe he looked at her while she was while she was talking. I think he looked at her, but I don't think he directed but one answer to her. Uh, whereas she gave a lot of the answers right to him. Answers to questions that he didn't ask. Yeah, and I will <laughs> say this: of the four of them, um, and let's first of all let's have no no confusion about this. So spare me the uh, why am I giving Sarah Palin a tongue bath emails. Especially because we all know why that's true. Um, let's not in any way sort of confuse Sarah Palin with somebody who's intelligent. I mean, she clearly is as dumb as a box of rocks. I mean, she is a, she has, I mean, she has a brain like an egg timer. I mean, we, we all know that this is true. But that is not at all the same thing as talking about who was the better speaker last night and who gave a better presentation, which I do think was her. I mean, Tim really nailed last night's assessment when he said that it was an inverse of the Obama-McCain debate. Yes. Because if you, watch the, the, if you watch the debate between Barack Obama and John McCain, I think everybody, if you're going to be honest in your analysis of the Barack Obama-John McCain debate that happened two weeks ago, whatever that was, that McCain really won that on points. He had the most content. He had the most knowledge. He seemed to have a grasp of the situation, the specifics. But he just seemed kind of old and tired and cranky and out of touch and a little bit senile. And Barack Obama seemed very vibrant and youthful and full of energy. And Barack Obama had a real flair to him and he had enthusiasm. And Barack Obama really made you feel something. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't mean to be all just like hopelessly pie in the sky about it. But when you listen to Barack Obama speak, he kind of got you... You know, Barack Obama kind of made you feel good. You know, he gave you a very strong, positive energy, even though McCain was really the guy who had all the actual knowledge in that debate. Last night, it was exactly the opposite, where Joe Biden was clearly the guy who had the knowledge. He understands the situation. He has a grasp of the specifics. But to me, just seemed really kind of burned out and tired and either disinterested or disengaged or... Uh, a little bit well, intimidating. He, he was told to hold back. Yeah. I, I could tell. No, I think it was just restraint. I think yeah, that's why. I, I, I think he was told. Yeah. And I mean, because I think I think the only reason he seemed downtrodden was like, yeah, the fact like because it must have been just so frustrating to him to hear him not like, to be able to tag her. Oh, don't you know, winky winky. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. And if I had to hear her say nuclear one more time, I was about ready to smash Lisa Woods TV. We were talking about this last night, and I, I'm of the like opinion. I think that they. Uh, it was more. No, it was more than that because five, at, I think. at one point, Tim and Storm and I last night just had to make a pact that we weren't going to talk about it anymore. We weren't even going to mention it because it, because otherwise that's all you're going to do. And I'm of the opinion that they actually now are throwing that nuclear thing in just to screw with us. You know, they're, they're just sort of doing it uh, intentionally just to jab at the, uh, you know, the, the thinking class, the Washington elite. 
Um, so. Oh, and Lisa's husband's hilarious. His name's Brian. And she, he was like, I am fully under the impression that I think that Sarah Palin thinks that Barack Obama's name is Barack Obama. <laughs> well, she kept saying, and she said Joe O'Biden at yeah, one point. that was pretty funny. Which was pretty great. Um, so, but I do think it was, a, I think it was a reverse of the last debate. I think, I think Biden was the guy with all the knowledge, but I think Sarah Palin was far and away uh, the better presenter. Well, well, being elected has nothing to do with knowledge. That's, but see, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing. Um, you know, in and America... The Democrats always make their mistakes. In America, it is all about appearance. It is not about... Americans don't care if you're smart. Americans don't care how many words you know. Americans don't care if you know your ass from a hole in the ground. Uh, Americans care about how you say it, how you look, if you convey your ideas with kind of a panache. And she does all of that really well. That being said, I'm going to go out on a limb right now, and I very rarely do this kind of a thing. I'm going to make two observations right now, and then I'm going to make like 3,000 more observations. And by the way, I will make one uh, one uh, other sort of preamble-type statement here. That at least for the foreseeable future, this is like the last day we're going to have to talk about all this. So today we're going to talk about Sarah Palin and the VP debate. And if you know, if you'd rather be hearing about gardening or somewhere, you know, you'd, you know you'd look, look elsewhere for that, I guess. Uh, so, so today we're going to talk about the VP debate, among other stuff. But we're going to do a lot of recap on that because everybody watched it. Everybody's talking about it. And then next week, we're probably going to have, relatively speaking, kind of a politics-free zone here. Because there's not a whole lot going on except for the second presidential debate, which we're not going to carry or talk about or whatever. Uh, and so it won't be till the week after that that we really sort of discuss all this stuff again. Um, so having watched, all of this, um, having watched all of this last night, I'm going to say two things. One, Sarah Palin, in my opinion, was really the much bigger winner from last night. I'm not saying that she's smart. I'm not saying she knows what she's talking about. Clearly, she is not and does not. But I do think, in terms of speaking to the average undecided idiot, she did far and away the better job. Because can we all, can we all agree on something right now? If you are undecided at this point, and they had that room of allegedly... I don't know where you'd find well, that. But they, they, but they had a whole room full of people on CNN, and I think on all the networks. Like, uh, my name is Ted, and I'm an undecided from... Can First of all, I think if you're undecided, you're either lying because you want to get on television and have attention paid to you, or you're just deeply stupid. And I'm not talking about being apathetic. All right, there's a difference. If you're apathetic, if you're shameless, if you're apathetic and you just don't care, you don't think it makes any difference, you're just like f them all. That's one thing. I'm not talking about apathy. If you are undecided, like you're looking at Sarah Palin or Joe Biden, and you go, I just can't tell who's the smarter one. I can't. I, they both seem so smart. I can't make up my mind. If you are undecided. You're deeply moronic, right? But I mean, there's just no way around that. You, you are, you are, I would say, functionally retarded if you are undecided at this point. So that being said, it's all about who can speak to the functionally stupid, and that's Sarah Palin. Mm -hmm. If you are a deeply, deeply moronic person, Sarah Palin spoke right to you last night, and that's why I think she had the far better night. Because, look, isn't it, she wasn't going to do anything to win you over, Sarah. I mean, it doesn't matter. She could have come out and just spent the entire evening, like, petting a, you know, petting a, you know, a schnauzer and, like, looking lovingly into the camera, and, you know? She could have come out and actually uh, performed uh, with, with uh, you know, she could have come out and sung lead for bad religion last night, and she wouldn't have won you over. Mm -hmm. Just like Joe Biden couldn't have done anything to ever win over my in-laws. Everybody's made up their mind. So it is all about that deeply stupid middle ground of undecided voters. And Sarah Palin speaks to the stupid like nobody else. Well, I really think that she defined herself last night. And I have two Republican friends, two of my very good friends, are, um, are fiscal conservative Republicans. Right. And um, both of them, after seeing the debate last night, told me that they're going to vote for Obama. <laughs> really? Really. Because they're, they're like, so offended at her lack of They're so offended at how, at how stupid she was. Yeah. And, and it's like, and 
I, I won't say their names because um, I don't know if they that they're voting for their business. But um, yeah, he's just like I am. You know, I'm in a room with a bunch of other Republicans. He's like, I am embarrassed that that woman might represent us. And he's like, and that is the only reason why. He's like, not because I I like Barack Obama. It's because I think Sarah Palin's an idiot. All right then. Okay. I, I bet she hasn't cleaned out her purse in years. And if you dumped it, it'd be like a waste. <laughs> like gum wrapper. Wadded up tissues. Mm-hmm. Even like old like Chanel lipsticks down yeah. with the nub. Yeah. Uh, so. Can we be cattier? Um, we're like the Mr. Blackwell of politics. <laughs> we are. Uh, we're a thong, sister. We're a thong. Oh, uh, we're going to talk a whole lot about how she looked last night because how she looked was fantastic. Oh, everyone can look that good in the you know five hundred thousand dollars. You know, it uh, doesn't matter. I found myself at many, many points last night just so totally entranced and hypnotized by her. There was I'm not going to lie and say otherwise. I just, when Joe Biden would speak, sometimes I would just look down and I'd realize I was cleaning my nails or something, or I was like picking something off the bottom of my shoe. Because Joe Biden's on television. You know, really? I was so inspired by speaking. Like, I would get up and refill my glass of wine when she started talking. Oh, that, she's like the don't you know and the winking. So, like, the question is. Did you get a different outcome if you just listened to it I as think compared so. to watching it? I think if you listened, you found Joe Biden to be uh, the winner mm-hmm. uh, far and away. I think if you watched, you found it to be closer to a draw and maybe even gave it to Palin on style points. Uh, I think it's like that, it, you know, everybody talked about the Nixon-Kennedy thing. I think if you heard it on the radio last night, you probably gave it to Biden. I think if you watched it, it's almost a draw. You know, it's probably a wash, and I think it, you Did might give it to Palin by a nose. I I think on style points, which is what the television really conveys, I think you'd have to give it to... There's no way you can't give it to Palin on on presentation. Period. There's no way. And if you say that Biden won on presentation, you are lying. That's, That's it, man. And I'm a bigger bleeding heart than anybody you know. But television and radio are two different things. And facts and and presentation are two different things. And Palin won on conveying her facts on speech, on style on uh, charisma, on panache, on all of that. She's far and away the winner. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to make a... And say, clearly, she's got the brain of a hitching post. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about a whole bunch of different things. So I will then go back to one final point here. Then we'll take a couple calls. We'll break. We'll come back with Dick Uliano. We'll talk a lot more about this. So here's the other observation from last night. Oh, I didn't get my first observation. This is the kind of scattered day that I've been really good at avoiding lately, but I'm just so... Uh, it's, I'm, it's I'm so exhausted and amped up by everything that has happened this week with the bailout failing and the bailout passing and then Barley, Barney Frank's big flapping turtle lips and the vice presidential debate and storm. and It's all very... Then there's all kinds of crap in here like Jesus. the modification of rules for hydroelectric production. Uh, so I got two things. One, I'm going to go out on this limb right now. Don't blame me for jinxing things if this doesn't come true. Oh, no. Well, right now I'm going to say Obama wins. I'm going to say that right now. When it comes to November 4th and the election... I'm going to give it to Obama unless something big happens. Unless something major happens, a huge gaffe, some sort of gigantic mistake, God forbid some other sort of incident involving American security. Unless something really big comes down the pike to change things in the next, what do we have, four weeks? If I had to call it, I'm going to say right now, Obama, and not even by a nose, I'm going to say by a head. I'm going to say Obama wins the election. Handily, not by a not by a landslide, not by a huge margin, but I'm going to say by a comfortable margin, Obama will win this election. That being said, Sarah Palin made a she made up a lot of ground for the Republicans last night. She made up a lot of ground for herself last night. But I think she it's all too late. She yeah, she didn't make up enough. You know, she didn't she didn't give them enough traction for them to win. It's still going to be Obama unless something really big happens to gum up the works. So Obama at this point, I think, will win the presidency. 
That being said, point number two, and I will bet my bottom freaking dollar on this. I will, I will bet you, as Toby Ziegler says, all the money in my pockets versus all the money in your pockets. And somebody, and I don't know who, somebody is whispering in Sarah Palin's ear, and they are whispering the phrase, wait for 2012. That's it. I'm telling you right now, whether it happens or not, they, someone is telling her, get on television, speak, you know, do, do everything you can, study, practice, work, because McCain is probably a lost cause, but in 2012, Sarah Palin, we're going to run you. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think she will end up running, but you I just think... want her to run against Hillary. <clears throat> but here's the thing. I don't think it'll happen. I think be between now and 2012... Uh, she'll realize that's a mistake. That, you know, they'll find somebody that can actually win because I don't think she but can win. Lisa Rice. But he, that's the, but he, but right now I'm I'm making this prediction. Right now somebody is whispering in Sarah Palin's ear, and they're saying you are really auditioning for presidential nominee the next time around. So don't blow it. That's what she's doing. She must know that McCain is a lost cause, right? which I think he is. But Somebody's she being in Alaska. Yeah, but you remember how when you remember oh, when Barack yeah, Obama Alaska. spoke at the 2004 <laughs> Democratic Convention? At the 2004 oh, uh, convention yeah. when they and nominated Kerry. And you know what? Obama spoke at the convention in 2004. And, you know, at, we, we watched him and we're like, that guy, you know, keep an eye on him. That guy is going to run for president. And then he did. Said that. Yeah. So four years ago, Obama used his spot at the convention to audition for the gig he's got now, the gig he's looking for. Uh, Sarah Palin is using this to audition uh, for her role as presidential nominee the next time around. It's not going to happen, but that's what she's trying to do. So, all right, let's do a few of these and we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Young. Hello, sir. What's up? Hey, uh, a couple of my coworkers just got through telling me how brilliant they think Sarah Palin is. And they're both Democratic people, and they're going to vote for her now. And it's got me quite frustrated. Is this true? Wait, so these people balance out Sarah's friends who are Republicans voting for Obama. Yeah, so they might got... get Sarah Palin glasses. <laughs> Um, so Someone's still drunk from last night. No, I, I'm pretty like upset about this. I thought they were quality people, and I'm like. Now let me I'm ask. Let me ask you. Are you now? Are you just sort of winding us up, or do you actually have uh, left-leaning coworkers who are going to be voting for uh, Sarah Palin and John McCain? I'm not winding you up. They just got through telling me how smart she is, and I kept telling them that they must be joking, and they're playing me here, but indeed they were not. But they watched the debate last night, and they came away thinking she knew what she was talking about. Correct. Behold the average American voter who really only knows what the magic talking box tells them. So. And the Republicans stole the last two elections, so I kind of think in the back of my mind that that's... Well, the Democrats are due to steal one. I mean, it's their turn. All right, thank you. Yeah. If only Joe Kennedy were still alive. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, seeing a radio correspondent and all-around great guy, uh, Dick Uliano. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Good uh, good afternoon from Washington. How are you, sir? Man, I can't take much more of this excitement. Okay. <laughs> we were just we were just saying, and I and I actually sort of did a little backhanded apology to the audience a few minutes ago that I am so frazzled today. I feel. It's like those days when I forget to modulate my caffeine intake and I realize <laughs> right. I've had about 100 cups of coffee. I am, and I've had very little caffeine today. I should make that observation. I mean, right. just because I, I woke up, my feet hit the floor this morning, and I was uh, I was jittery and squiggly and shaky and just sort of agitated and excited. And uh, and I came on today, and it's just, uh, it is, uh, we are already 
uh, just sort of all over all over the map with this because it's a week that is just frazzled all of us. Unbelievable. I mean, this whole dramatic week reached a climax at midday here on Capitol Hill with the House voting really overwhelmingly with 45 votes to spare, approving this controversial $700 billion bailout bill that hey, they had just rejected on Monday. Of course, they saw it sail through the Senate with added uh, tax cuts and spending boosts put in it, and they said, yes, we want it, and voted for it, and uh, it will soon be sent to the president's desk for his signature and become the law of the land. So then my question is, what is the timeline for that? So the Congress passes it, uh, the president signs it, and then what? When does, when well, does that happen? Know, when does it sort of kick in, and when does the average American sort of see any kind of a result from that, if you can speak to that? Okay, well, two, uh, on those two scores, I think if, if President Bush could sign this thing tonight, he would. That's how desperately he wants this. Uh, however, the process is... Uh, uh, at the risk of boring you, it's called the bill has to be enrolled. And what that means is uh, they have to get, look it over, make sure everything's right. The leaders of the Senate and the House have to sign it. They print it on parchment paper, and then they send it to the White House, and that's when President Bush signs it. That usually takes at least a day. If they could be really lickety-split fast about it, uh, maybe they could get it to him tomorrow, but I would suspect it'll take uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Then the results, that's that's a more of a $64,000 question because you have to remember the Treasury Secretary and the Chairman of the Federal Reserve offered no guarantees here. They said that we need to do this. If we don't do this, the economy is going to run off the tracks, but we're not really sure it's going to work. I, it just This whole thing has been... Let me ask you this question, because this whole thing has just been one big back-and-forth act, and is it, in your estimation, just your read on things, yeah. has, has the tone of the American people changed on this? In other words, does the, America, does the American sort of uh, mindset still oppose this yes, and, and, so. and and politicians don't just realize that the, economically speaking they had to do it and are they already sort of bracing for a backlash this fall about that those are great questions number one i think some members of congress will lose their jobs over this absolutely i think the american people largely still oppose this bailout but some lawmakers say that the angry emails and phone calls did tail off after the stock market lost 780 points on Monday. So some people, you know, sort of saw, you know, saw the light of day, I guess you'd say, and, and, and did sort of switch over to the bill. But I think there's still opposition uh, uh, to the bill. And what was, there was another part that you asked me. Uh, well, it's just, it was sort of the thing, whether they anticipate uh, any sort of a backlash. You know, and I, I think, think that, I think that definitely some of them in their floor speeches said that they expected to lose their jobs over it. Oh, the other thing, um, look, if you, if you corner some of these lawmakers and put a drink in their hand, they will tell you that um, they don't always vote the way the voters back home want them to vote, that many of these lawmakers will tell you they don't really believe that's their job. They like to vote along with the way the voters want it, but when push comes to shove, if they believe that they need to vote for something that's in the best interest of the country or the people, and if they think the people might have the wrong idea about something, they will vote for it. That's what members of Congress have told me in the past, and I guess that's what some have done here, because clearly some of them have gone against their own voters. Um, and just a, a little bit uh, on last night, what is the 
uh, again, just from your sort of vantage point, what is the general read on last night uh, and how much that may or may not have helped the McCain campaign uh, sort of make up any traction or any, any sort of lost ground? Because they've had Republicans have had a rough couple of weeks uh, trying yes. to campaign in this environment. Yes. Is there any is there a sense that this got them ahead at all on the field? Well, be- before I answer that, and I'll be quick, can I make a comment about that caller that you had before I came on? Absolutely. He was saying about some some guys at work that were suddenly going to vote for Palin. CNN had this uh, meter at the bottom of the screen. I don't know if you saw CNN. Yeah, we were watching CNN last night, actually. Okay, you know, it had, like, the red line was for women and the green line was for men. Right. And every time she talked, the men line went up. Yeah. And, you know, I just think that, and and, and coincidentally, I guess, when, when Biden spoke, the women line went up. I don't know what to glean from that but you know i think the guys just kind of get a little bit turned on by her uh not not just a little bit sir <laughs> speaking for myself only coldest state hottest governor <laughs> <laughs> anyway bam anyway uh i think what analysts are saying about that is she probably helped herself whether she really advanced the ticket sort of remains to be seen biden really well put on the debate of his life. I've seen him in a number of debates over the years. He was never better, I think, than he was last night. He was extremely articulate, very good on the issue. She was a surprisingly good debater, I thought, for someone who really, uh, you know, has sort of just come on the scene in the past five weeks. I think she acquitted herself very well, but I don't think it's a game changer. I think that uh, I agree with you in the sense that I think Sarah Palin really helped Sarah Palin. Right. I did see, speaking of CNN, CNN did a uh, poll last night, and they they said, how many of you have a more favorable opinion? No, 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 I'm Sorry, I would take it back. They said, how many of you believe that Sarah Palin exceeded expectations? 84% yeah. of people. And, Grant, you can say that's because everybody expected her to fall on her face, maybe literally or figuratively. Uh, uh, but it, also she got a bump in the favorable opinion. She got a bump in the understands my problems poll. All of that stuff. I don't think that's going to help McCain in the overall. I think that the game is right. the game today is the game last week. I do think that it has helped Sarah Palin immeasurably and... I'm not saying this will happen. I don't know if you heard me make this observation, but I would be astounded if someone, some Ed Rollins type, is not whispering in her ear 2012. Yeah, yeah. No, I think she has a future on the national scene. You know, I think one of the things that people like about her is she's kind of an outsider. I think people have really had their fill of these folks in Washington Mm -hmm. and the way things have gone, certainly the past eight years, and they like the idea of somebody coming from the outside. And, you know, there is a tradition of that in this country. You know, there were some great leaders who insiders who rose to the occasion you know coming to mind i don't want to go back too far but andy jackson one of the 19th century's great leaders uh you know more recently harry truman who you know was a haberdasher in independence missouri in a little time in the senate before uh, he rose to it so you know there there is that sort of uh you know coming up from the people element to it all all right my friend i know you got a busy crazy day as do we all so thank uh, you for having me enjoy the blur that is this afternoon there you go. Dick Giuliano, coldest state, hottest governor. Dick Giuliano said that. I think that was, I think that was uh, her, the tagline when she was on the cover of Vogue. Really? All right. I'm burning off. Have you seen her on the cover of Vogue? No. That picture? No. She looks kind of freaky. I'm burning off all my excess energy. I think I'm finally, I'm grounding myself a little bit here. I had to eat my lunch this morning at 10 a.m. because I was so stressed and like, crazed about last night and like hung over and like okay me I too to, i and need to eat something and get something in my stomach and you know i gotta tell you i never eat breakfast i don't eat breakfast i typically wait and then i eat uh, right after the show i eat lunch and i eat dinner i don't usually eat in the morning this morning i got up not only did i eat i ate a lot i had like uh, i mean i put a lot of calories in myself this morning trying to sort of even out this manic energy that i've got and uh, we are just i think at the tail end of a long week that is at the tail end of a, like a long four weeks or so and i mean 
I don't mean to keep going back to this point, but just the last, I don't know, 10, 12 days were just this, every, I mean, I don't even really understand the economic thing, but it's not even about that. It's about an energy. There was just that energy and that weird, crazy tension in the air. And then all leading up to last night and, uh, you know, and then this morning, all of this is the recap of it. And again, I'm just, I'm looking at my email. I mean, probably, I'm getting, I'm getting probably 30 emails every two or three minutes uh, about last night and uh, phone calls as well. Let's do some of these. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley coming up later on, Aaron Duran, Andy the Homeschool Kid. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, hi, Rick. What's up? i got to tell you, I think the winner of the debate last night were, were the Republican advisors who uh, were managed to uh, drill all this information into her head and plug it up with a cork so it didn't leak out. Yeah, no, I, I think the winners were uh, I think the winners were Sarah Palin. I think the winners were the people who are, have been advising her for this debate because they look like they were able to, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, how can I find a radio-friendly way to say this, uh, to, uh, to polish something that doesn't really seem like it could be polished. Right. Uh, what else? And, you know, and frankly, I think the winners last night, let, let me, let me, uh, Go to an email here. A listener says, the real winner last night, Rick, people who like to drink. Because she said energy like a thousand times. That was one of our drinking game terms. She said leadership many times. And then the Main Street, Wall Street thing. They must have said Main Street, Wall Street, I mean, 40 times in the first 20 minutes of the debate. That We were playing that little debate drinking sound last night. Let's see if I can find it. It's the, uh, it, it was the ting. It was a champagne glass ting. Let's see, where did it go? It was right the, right there. We must have played 500 times last night. And if you look at the email I was getting during the, the debate, it all started off really lucid and, and well-spelled. And then by the end, it was all just random consonants and syllables. Like they were just sort of pounding their fists on the keyboard. So I'm with you on all points, sir. Can I give you my best conspiracy theory, a la Clyde Lewis? Absolutely. Uh, between now and uh, Election Day, expect Osama bin Laden's head to be come rolling out on a silver platter and Republicans taking credit for it. Oh, see, now, see, now you've just given us one more thing to worry about. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Thank you. you All right. What is the deal with that, Sarah? Did you see okay, that email? Okay, so, yeah, so, Richie just, just wrote to Tyler and asked him if we'd be able to speak with Lisa. At some so, point? like, 1.15? All right, that works, sir. Okay. Fantastic. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio Correspondent. Steve Katzenbaum, yeah, it's just, it's, so to add to the craziness, Lisa apparently just stepped off a plane, uh, now she's going to be, she'll be talking to us later on today. Hello, Steve, how are you? I'm doing good, boy, that last caller going out on a limb with that prediction. I, uh, I, yeah, the response uh, today has, I mean, people are just sort of, it's like they're rappelling down the walls of the studio and kicking in the windows to, to, uh, to comment on last night's debate. That is how much it sort of has got everybody kind of cranked up. So you, uh, first of all, a great job on the wraparound coverage last night. Hey, thanks a lot. One of your uh, listeners uh, of the station actually called in to the uh, post-debate wrap-up show. Yeah, we were here. It was uh, Tim Riley and then our friend Storm Large and myself. We were doing a, actually running commentary during the debate itself, sort of Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. Um, so we had you guys at the beginning, then the debate, and we were there during the debate, and then we had you guys again at the end. I have to say two things. One, the first call you took was from a guy in Portland, Oregon, a guy named, um, oh, no, I forget his name. I forget the I forget the caller's name, but he was almost certainly a listener of uh, of our station. So hello, howdy, thanks. And then the final call you took last night was from a guy. First of all, you did in fact call it Oregon. Uh, oh, did I really? Oregon, I think is how you pronounced it. So sorry. That is the sort of thing that will not endear you to uh, you know to the casual Oregonian. I'm just saying, just as you know, the word of the wise, just in terms of linguistic polish. I will keep it in mind. Secondly, secondly, and I hate to bring this back up, but did you feel with that call you took last night after the debate from an Oregon listener? Did you feel like you were being Baba buoyed? 
I was waiting for it, yeah. <laughs> because he kept going, uh, that woman who was running before was uh, Bill Clinton's wife, whatever her name is. That woman married to Bill Clinton. And Tim and I were kind of looking at each other, waiting for the guy to go, and uh, a penis, goodbye, and hang up. So I was waiting for it. But uh, we have very good call screeners in Atlanta. Yeah. So, uh, all right, General Reed on last night, uh, winner, loser, either in terms of the campaigns or in terms of the specific uh, debaters last night. Well, I think both candidates went out there and did what they needed to do. Uh, Senator Biden, while he was very forceful in going after John McCain, really didn't attack Sarah Palin too much. And, and a lot of people were afraid that if he did do that, uh, he might go a bit too far and throw in a sweetie or something like that that would cause him to lose points with the American public. So uh, it wasn't the same Joe Biden that we saw in the primary uh, debates, in the presidential debates, when he was a presidential candidate, yet he still got the job done for his candidate. And Sarah Palin, she certainly registered uh, high with uh, her followers there. You know, So they were really targeting that, that 10% of the voters who are still sort of undecided and, and have no idea which way they're leaning out there. Uh, you know, Some put that figure a little higher than 10%. But uh, so the question is, who did they sway? Did they sway anybody? Or did, as most vice presidential debates do, did it not matter last night at all? You know, anecdotally, and this is just anecdotally speaking, Sarah Dillon has two uh, conservative friends who, after last night's debate, said they were so horrified by, and this is this is their observation, not not mine. After what they, although it is mine, uh, what they said was Sarah Palin's obvious um, lack of intellect on certain issues. That they said that they were just horrified and they were going actually going to be voting for Obama. That said, <clears throat> just about five minutes ago, we took a call from a guy who has. Is sort of the, the you know the bizarre world version of that. He actually has some left-leaning co-workers who said that they had been going to vote for Obama and Biden. They saw Sarah Palin last night and they thought that she was very sort of authoritative and forceful, and they like that, and they're going to vote for uh, you know for McCain and Palin. So it there really is. I still think at this point, and this is just my assessment, my assessment only. At this point, I do believe that unless something major happens, Obama will be the victor this fall. That is my read on it only. That being said, Sarah Palin made great, great leaps uh, for her own uh, career and her own future. And I would not be surprised if somebody even now is printing up Sarah Palin 2012 bumper stickers. You know, generally speaking, the critiques of last night's debate uh, go as follows. Uh, Joe Biden was heavy on facts and Sarah Palin was, was heavy on platitudes, but they all reached the audience they were intending to reach. Right. And right. uh, Sarah Palin had all that folksy, you betcha, and gosh darn it, and, and uh, hockey mom and Joe Sixpack. And, and she actually said, say it ain't so, Joe, it's a, which we should have seen coming. I shouldn't even be surprised by that. We should have known that was going to happen. We, we should have. And, and uh, also the, the thing that uh, our own Jeannie Mose pointed out uh, and, and some other people did was, were the winks. Yeah. Some people seem to have been put off by Sarah Palin's winking at the camera and nodding the head. I actually have I to really tell you. I, now, see, I don't know. I must have blinked at the time she was winking because I have to tell you, Sarah Dillon uh, called me last night, and Sarah and I were having a little bit of a back and forth about the debate and who we thought won and whatever. But uh, Sarah said, oh, I couldn't take her winking. And I think I actually must have missed it every time she did that. I don't think I, I saw it. I thought it happened about three or four times, but but some people were put off by that, and others uh, saw her debate style uh, falling in line with, uh, you know, in their minds, uh, a great Republican, Ronald Reagan, and they were comparing her style uh, as she went after uh, Biden to that of Ronald Reagan. I will so, also, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it really just 
sort of uh, depends on where where you fall along the political spectrum, you know. I will also say this, that we've heard already today a huge difference between people who listen to it on radio and people who watch it on TV, just like the old Nixon-Kennedy debate. And, of course, we were carrying it here uh, on the air, and you know, a, lot of, a lot of folks listened to it here. And then some people were watching it on TV. We had some people who actually watched it on TV and then went back to, you know, and had recorded our commentary and listened to that. And it is interesting that, just as in the 60s, the folks who heard it only on the radio thought that Biden really carried the night. People who watched it on television gave much higher points to Sarah Palin. Even if they didn't think she won, they thought she did a much better job. And that, again, goes back to the fact that America does respond, in both good ways and bad, to people that can convey maybe not as much substance, but they can do it with uh, you know, a wink and a smile and a nod. Bill Clinton was good at that. Because let's not have any illusions about this. Bill Clinton often was saying nothing at all. Bill Clinton's speeches were quite frequently just full of a whole lot of weird, like, sub-Tony Robbins meets Dr. Phil meets Oprah meets Hallmark card meets Jack Handy's Deep Thoughts platitudes. But because he said it in just the right way, you felt that Bill Clinton was speaking right to you and empathized with you. And Ronald Reagan had that same ability. Sarah Palin doesn't have it to the same degree as either of those guys, but she does have a way of very, uh, very forcefully, and I would say very sort of smartly, not to be confused with being smart, but smartly getting those points across. And that does resonate with TV viewers. So there's no getting around that. Absolutely. Some people would call it smartly, and, and others, her detractors, would call it smarmy. Well, I would say it's both, actually. I would say she's equal parts, um, she is equal parts sort of good and awful. I mean, she really is, and for all the same reasons. The same things that make Sarah Palin, I think, effective on television when she's giving speeches are the same things that make me want to peel off my own skin with a fish scaler. So, yeah. All right, my friend. I know you, uh, you like everybody there. You all got a, a busy day, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, we will, uh, probably talk to you next week. Have a good weekend, sir. Thanks a lot. All right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum. Oh. Yeah, this guy who called poor Steve last night. First of all, Steve didn't do himself any favor to go. We're going to take a call from Oregon. And then he takes this caller, and the caller, whose name was like Lamont, I think, said, uh, you know, Steve, I want to talk about the debate. I think that any the caller lost his thread almost immediately. But then at the end, Tim and Storm and Sarah and I were looking at each other because we, we, I think that it was a prank call. I'll have to play it back later. And the, the caller kept going. And, and so that, that woman who was running before, that woman who was, I can't remember her name, she was, uh... Who was that woman married to Bill Clinton? <laughs> uh, so they're trying to get her to say... Let's see, I, let's see if I can find it really quickly. We'll play it and we'll take a break. And we will come back. More of your calls all day today about the vice presidential debate last night. Uh, we're going to have Andy, the homeschool kid, in later for his top five. Aaron Duran will be here. Uh, Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, all of that. Let's see. Last night, Thursday the 2nd. So that would have been about, what, uh, 7, 7.52 or so? All right, let's see if I can... Am I up over there? We want to know what you... The very exciting debate. Uh, I think this is the guy. In depth. Um, uh, we've had... Uh, as Chris makes uh, McCain a bad... Uh, Same-sex couples, the same... McCain voted against... Out of the average ordinary gal, which... Bowie. <laughs> oh, damn it. No, that's me. Uh, both agree on that at, at the end of the... Well, I, I, here. I, well, I per personally believe that both... Uh, at first, what Joe Burr checking in with Let's us in, in their style as the two candidates... No, no, no. You know, no, I, and, uh, I was grabbing... Um, I didn't see anything... That I was, was grabbing the wrong button there. Um, no, I was just wondering. They, they both preached equal rights, but... One um, more time. On that, but at the end, they did... Public, they were talking... He would not... Because the... And practice. Say, this is me. ...your calls tonight. Okay. We want to know what you I think this may be where he says Oregon. Uh, ...at uh, Washington University. The number is 877-CNN-4189. That's 877 
4189. We're going to go to Scott from Salt Lake City. Scott, do you, this is do you Scott. believe it's the next Alan caller? I'm going to look for this real quick. If I can't find it here, we'll do it on the other side. Oh, answer really? questions in depth. Like, uh, through a good job, but uh, Sarah did well. This debate, the one and only uh, vice presidential debate here, uh, it was Oregon. Say that this was a presidential debate. Us today, we have Lamont from Oregon on the there line. Lamont, what do you think? How important was this debate? How how exciting? So here's the thing. Tell me if you think this is a prank call or not. <laughs> who are out there in the audience calling us today? We have Lamont. From Oregon on the line. Lamont, what do you think? How important was this debate? How how exciting was it? Well, I think it was a very exciting debate. Um, definitely impressed with Barack Obama's uh, selection for vice president. Uh, uh, definitely, uh, it's hard for me to understand uh, that uh, Senator McCain would pick just a woman to try to influence uh, the votes that uh, uh, Senator, uh, that the Senator, uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Bill Clinton's wife, Senator Clinton, Senator, to, to get her vote. So you right, think that he, that he picked Palin uh, to to be uh, to to get those folks who were upset that uh, Hillary was no longer on a ticket? Okay, well, thank you very much for calling us, Morgan. <laughs> you. So what do we think? Prank call or not? Listening back today, I, I think, think it was a real, real call. I think it's real. Yeah. All right. The average, the average American voter, ladies and gentlemen. But, well, I you know I could... I, on the way home, I was listening to uh, uh, oh. public radio's coverage, and they had tons of women who were just like that. Really? Calling up saying, you know, I don't think it's that important that she's knowledgeable and knows anything about the job. I just kind of like her because she's another woman. You know, because uh, because she has weight. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and um, a I had five children. She has five. All right. So there. So if anybody wonders uh, why I think Sarah Palin was effective speaking to a certain kind of voter last night, I see the woman, and I'm a woman, and um, I had five children. She has five. It is because people are stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We'll take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. If you're on hold, hang on. We'll get to your phone calls around the corner. All calls taken within ten minutes today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, later on, Aaron Duran, Andy, the homeschool kid. And uh, so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program on AM 970. Don't go anywhere. I was just going to say the most awkward sounding thing. I don't mean for this to sound as creepy as it probably will. I was actually just going to say, I need a massage. <laughs> I just feel so frazzled today, man. I'm not trying to complain. Look, it's not like I have a hard job. I'm not trying to make it sound like uh, like I'm here working on a, on a, you know, like in a chain gang or something. But I think I speak for all Americans today when I say, Jesus, I need a drink. I mean, I really do. I, even I, uh, you know, even I, lame, uh, lame teetotaler that I am uh, at this point, I, I just, I think like somebody needs to come in and just line up a bunch of shots of scotch for us today. Oh, and who better to do that than Scotty J, who will join us later on in the program? That's Scotty's pretty incredible. Coming. Scotty J will be joining us uh, in an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, yeah, around one thirty today. Scotty J, former PA for the Rick Emerson Show, will be in the studio. Giving uh, a suburban perspective, he will be reprising his trademark segment for us uh, to give his thoughts on Sarah Palin and last night's VP debate. So coming up at one thirty today. Hung over. Really? He sounds like crap. He's like, I'm hung. <laughs> is it true? Is it true that he's unemployed? Well, I think we, we should let. But 
It's true. I don't want to. He's hungover and unemployed. I'm not going to say either way. Well, I couldn't have seen that. That job seems so stable. (laughs) All right. That seemed like such a good move for him. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. I say Scotty still has some big things in the works. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So uh, we will be doing a uh, vice presidential uh, debate uh, recap, getting your thoughts on that. Later on, we'll do an Insta poll. We'll talk about the bailout that just passed. Um, we've got uh, Aaron Duran coming in. Uh, uh, Andy, the homeschool kid, will be doing the Glorious Bastard of the Week. We're going to get to uh, all calls today within 10 minutes. We'll do a couple of these and then go right to the Ministry of Truth with Tim Riley. Hello. Hi. Hey, Rick. Uh, thank you guys for doing that last night. Uh, it was cool to uh, get to stream that over the uh, over the interwebs there. Thank you. Uh, over my speakers on my laptop, uh, there were times where Joe Biden last night, I swear to God, sounded like George Carlin. How, how do you mean? Uh, just his voice. I mean, for some reason, I'm guessing it was my speakers because everybody I've talked to thinks I'm crazy. He, maybe uh, he had a little, a little bit of that tone, a little bit of that timbre to his voice. I can give, uh, I can, uh, you know. But you know, he looked. I was making this observation last night. You know what Joe Biden looked like last night? He looked like Bella Lugosi in the Tim Burton film Ed Wood. He didn't look like Dracula. He looked like Bella Lugosi. And so all you really had to do, like if you have last night's debate uh, on tape, or if you have, uh, you know, if you go find a still of Joe Biden from last night. Look at Joe Biden last night, and then imagine this voice going, "Eddie, I'm so broke." That's what I mean. In the afterlife, you don't have to worry about finding work. That's exactly what he looked like. He just he looked very tired to me. Well, the other thing that it uh, the other thing that stood out to me is Sarah Palin's ability to uh, talk to the lowest common denominator. Absolutely, that's how you that's how you win elections. Man, I you know I've been I've been watching the debates going back all the way to '88, and I don't remember anybody ever ever talking directly to the lowest common denominator like she did last night. It was amazingly impressive. No, she really is. I will. It's because you're more of them out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I will also say this: that Sarah Palin last night, and the way she is, and what she views as important, and what she doesn't. In other words, she and the people around her. And again, I say all of this, I feel like I have to start putting a disclaimer at the beginning of the show, that I say all of this really just in terms of what Henry Kissinger calls the real politic, which is that I, I, I think Leica says this too about male-female relations. I don't really traffic in what ought to be uh, or how things really should be in some sort of weird, perfect, uh, alternate reality. I just sort of traffic in what is. And what is uh, the case is that you know she knows that a great section of the American public, what they understand is that it really is as I said, all about the presentation and about the way you position things. And clearly she views that as much more important than actually having facts or knowledge or statistics. Uh, and she has none of those. Or being an authority on anything, which she is not. Or having intelligence, which she doesn't. Or reading, which she chooses not to do. So, it, Well, and Joseph Biden did a really good job of showing that he knew John McCain's voting record better than she did. And so as far as substance goes... If you need a winner, he won it hands down in that department. But like you guys have been saying since since the start of the show, as far as presentation goes yeah. and speaking to the American public, God, I hate to say it, but she really did win. Well, she is – Sarah Palin is the logical outcome of everything that American politics and American media has sort of done over the last 25 years, right? I mean, American media has become ever more enmeshed with and uh, inseparable from the political system. And so everything becomes a shorter and shorter sh- uh, shorter and shorter soundbite, uh, a brighter and shinier object, uh, and faster and faster cuts and less and less substance. And so she is uh, the sort of 
she is not the final evolution, but she is the latest evolution of that. She is sort of the she is sort of that she's the T uh, one thousand uh, to Joe Biden's uh, T one hundred or T five or whatever it is that Schwarzenegger was. Well, I really hope you guys are incorrect about her running in two thousand twelve because really at that point she's the next step towards idiocracy. I'm with you, sir. All Thank right. you. It's Thank got a lot for lights. All right, there you go. You're listening to KCMD Portland. One more, then we'll begin the uh, the news proper here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi. What's hi. up? Oh, I got to say hi to my best friend that was just the previous caller first. <laughs> That's <laughs> weird. All right, yeah. go ahead. Um, what happens if she gets put in office? How do you run a halfway help run a country um, on maternity leave? Well, I got to say, how do you run a country with five kids anyway? So I, that as well. Look, she's she's. Can we just say she's clearly not up to the job now? What are you going to do? Make her less up to the? She's not up to the job at all. She has. Zero qualifications, and there's really no way to go below that. She cannot possibly become less qualified for the job. She could have ten kids. Doesn't matter. What are you going to do? Now, the ten kids that might make that might make her overmatched and stupid. I mean, we we are at that point, sir. We're at the baseline with her. Yeah, and I, that kind of brings my second point is they, the Republicans knew full well what they were doing. They knew she was that she was completely unqualified, and you know that's what they want so that they can have a little talking head puppet that, you know, yep. whatever they want to make her do, they can make her do. Well, you don't, want, you don't want something that thinks for itself. That's, no, uh, that's no, just dangerous. No. They knew that she would be able to, uh, just like Mitch said, speak to the lowest common denominator, and those are the people that are going to help. God forbid they win, yep. and then they'll be able to do whatever they want with her. That's what I'm saying. All she needs now is to run in 2012 with Jesse Ventura. That's it, man. Game <laughs> over. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get more of your calls in a moment. At the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Fish pedicures may be a thing of the past at a unique Washington establishment. The owner of a Kent salon that offered fish pedicures is asking the state to reconsider the decision that that declares that illegal. The state licensing department says letting little tiny fish nibble off dead skin is unsanitary. The owner of the boutique Tyet Boo, a Peridot nail salon, said the customer's feet were washed before and after each procedure, and the water was changed every time the dead skin was empty. They did this on the Michael Mara show. They actually had a guy, I, I think it was in the studio, where they had somebody who runs one of these salons bring in a tank full of these fish, and I think it was Michael Mara who just put his, put his feet in the tank, and like some, some sort of living, breathing, scaly ped egg, uh, the fish just went right to work on his calluses. Apparently, they're fine. Mm-hmm. The service started three weeks ago at the salon, believed to be the only one in the Northwest that offered a fish procedure popular in some Asian countries. It costs $30 to have your toes tickled for 15 minutes. The state licensing department canceled the pedicures because the fish cannot be sanitized. That was me just hitting my head into the microphone. That's creepy. All right, I'm sorry. Not the head hitting, but the fish tickling. I, I really have no sense of uh, no sense of equilibrium today, either physically or mentally. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hi, Rick. Um, two quick things. Uh, one is I know the guy who called uh, uh, on uh, CNN after the uh, debate. He's actually a really bright guy. He's got like a master's in writing. This is the guy who called, who couldn't remember. She just kept calling Hillary Bill Clinton's wife. Yeah, I went to school with him. I immediately recognized his name and voice. He just has that kind of halting um type of speech and he just I think he just fumbled um, maybe he got nervous but he's really a smart guy and I just wanted to defend him because he's enough. not a moron also um, you love hybrid fruits have you tried a grapple or a grapple it's uh, an apple that smells and tastes like uh, Welch's grape jelly where can I get this 
Um, I got them at Fred Meyer. Uh, they were selling last year. All right, I will look at it. Yeah, I love the uh, hybrid fruit and mystery fruit. Have you, oh, have you seen that thing? It's a half apple, half pear. Uh, yes, I have. And it's, there's no tricky name. They just call it a pear apple. But I bought some for Lara, and it, it's so weird. It is shaped like an apple. In other words, it's you know it's basically look like a baseball. It's round, but it has the color and consistency of a pear when you bite into it. And then the taste is half pear, half apple. It's the weirdest thing. Oh, I don't like that. Oh man. Yeah, it's like the uh, produce section of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> All right, no way. That's a, I can do a better joke. It's the Orchard of Dr. Moreau. There you go. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you. Thanks, Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, everyone. This is Benjamin. Hello, sir. Hi. I've got a question for uh, Mr. Tim Riley. Yes. yes. Uh, hey, last night I was on my way to uh, my Aikido class, and it looked like uh, Portland cops had blocked off like a square mile of southeast from Powell to Division and from about like 111th to... I don't know, 105th or something like that. This um, was the gunman who escaped a tense standoff. It was a four-hour standoff please, last uh, night. Please do tell. Uh, thank you for asking. Cops blanketed the area near 120th and Powell after the incident started with a domestic violence call yesterday afternoon. A lady calls 911, tells dispatches the suspect, Eddie John Anthony Lewis, fired a gun at a female companion as she tried to drive off. Lewis takes off on foot. Please activate the CERT response. Officers searched the neighborhood for several hours. They came up empty. Neighbors were on high alert as police uh, combed the area. It was pretty bad. This used to be a good neighborhood around Powell, like the 1920s. Uh, Lewis is described as 5'8", medium build, last seen wearing a gray hooded sweatshirt and gray pants. The woman they reportedly fired at is okay. Nobody else was hurt. When caught, police said that Lewis will face assault and domestic violence charges. There you go, sir. You ask a question, Tim Riley has the answer for you. Tim Riley is my guy. All right. Thank you, sir. Remember right. that. All right. There you go. Uh, all right. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So we have to decide where we want to go next. What do you want to talk about? This uh, this bill that the House passed or more? Well, let's do the bill because that's kind of the more breaking news this morning, and then we'll go back and uh, we'll uh, do more recap on last night's debate and more uh, calls about that. Well, Governor Schwarzenegger says he's very happy that the House passes $700 billion bailout bill. Uh, but wants to remind everyone that uh, California may have to put its hand out for a loan next. Nope, I guess, whoops, whoops, I guess my, try it again. Governor Schwarzenegger says they'll need a loan next. Because of that vote, California is not out of the woods yet. And it will be difficult so that we will be going through challenges in the future. I want to do top five words that sound great when spoken by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like California. Um, hasn't he lived here for like 50 years now? Yes. I'm calling it right now. That's a fake accent at this no, point. No, it isn't. Because oh, and you're all strangely stressed. No! <laughs> you know, that was like a really disproportionately angry response just now. Well, I think everyone expects... Shut your mouth, Rick. Everyone ever. expects everyone who moves to California to get that, like, surfer accent. Well, no matter where you are... If if you leave the place too late in life and live in, in several different places, you still have your original accent. Is that true? That is true. Mm, all right. Hey, speaking of accents, here's a little note I made to myself last night at 9:22 p.m. Um, and this, I had this revelation while I was uh, I was at home and Laura was watching Oprah, and so I was thinking about she she was flipping back and forth. She was watching some of the debate coverage on CNN, and then she was watching Oprah, which she had uh, t-voted earlier in the day. I gotta quit saying tape things. That makes you sound really old. Do kids today say tape? I don't think so. I mean, is that a colloquialism that's been handed down, like dialing a number? Because I hear, I hear kids, actually teenagers, still say they're going to dial a number, which you don't do. No. So I wonder if taping is leaving its original definition and becoming a generic term for recording, or if it's a thing I have to expunge from my vocabulary lest I look old. Um, in any event, 
Uh, so Sarah Palin equals Oprah equals Hillary in this sense. All three of them have accents that they turn on and off, depending on when they're speaking, to I'll whom they are speaking, what they're talking about. Yeah, because, you know, because Hillary does that. You know, we have that soundbite that I don't feel no ways tired, which is weird, where it's like, you know, it's just like she's coming right out of some sort of like a Mark Twain novel. Oprah does that thing, too. Oprah is, I believe, from South Carolina. And Oprah has worked, like Stephen Colbert, very, very hard to lose that South Carolina accent. And Oprah has a very neutral accent at this point. You know, and, but, but occasionally when Oprah is, when she's just, when, it, when it's just folks, you know, when Oprah's, when Oprah's just talking sister to sister, sometimes she will turn on that, that southern accent. Uh, and I think she be, you know, because it makes her more colloquial. You know, makes her more just like the average American. Sarah Palin does that, except she turns on that stupid, uh, like that Fargo accent. Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> she has, and she has a weirdly stilted way of saying some words, too, uh, where she talks a little bit. It's like that Bob Woodward thing where she has to pronounce each syllable separately, uh, which is it's weird. It's like the words are sort of being put together in her head on one of those court stenographer typewriters or something. But that accent comes and goes. And when she's talking seriously, like when she's talking about uh, Iran or when she's talking about war in any, in any way or securing our borders, the accent goes away. She starts talking about this weird kitchen table around which everybody supposedly just... Dis- I guess the kitchen table is like the new water cooler. Can I tell you, I've never once stood next to a water cooler and talked about anything with anyone. That doesn't happen. I think that's false. I've seen the picture on the wall that says otherwise. Me well, too. I saw him talking about I think this is a lie. I was going to say, really, that's only when we're talking about all things Mandalorian. Um, but just like me, Lauren, I don't sit around the kitchen table and discuss, you know, how are we going to pay for this, uh, you know, this dog uh, neutering we have to get done? I just don't know. So I think the kitchen table discussion is a thing that now only exists in a sort of theoretical sense, like the guy at the party who puts the lampshade on his head. doesn't really exist in the real world anymore. But whenever she's talking about any sort of, like, kitchen table issues, that's when she starts putting on the just ordinary people accent. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Great moment from last night. Well, several great moments. Storm only had to be bleeped once, by the way. And that was when she referred to the Republicans being in a state of excitement over last night's debate and how it went. And she referred to... Um, a type of uh, um, a male essence. Put it that way. Like aqua velva. Exactly like that, Tim. <laughs> so I had to believe that. Uh, there were some great moments last night, like when Sarah Palin kept using the words drilling and oil back to back, which I was quite fond of. Also, when Sarah Palin said, and I would give anything to have this soundbite, I didn't bother to pull it. Did anybody catch this last night when Sarah Palin said, John McCain already tapped me? Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> like so great. I can't believe that no one else is talking about that line today. I can't find that line anywhere. Like, about ten minutes from the end, she said it. She said, well, John McCain already tapped me, and I just, I about fell out of my chair. It was the best thing ever. Also this, Tim Riley last night, if you were listening to our debate commentary, which you really ought to have been, Tim Riley last night said, Sarah Palin has her hand on the base. (laughs) What else do we have here? Oh, um, let's see, other notes from last night. Sarah Dillon calling me and saying, Rick, for the sake of the country, we have to begin the propaganda. We have to pretend the Democrats won last night. We have a duty. These are your quotes. I wrote these down. And I I fully do believe the Democrats did win, but... But even if they didn't, we have to lie and say they did. Absolutely. We gotta we gotta beat him at their own game. All right. No, fair enough. Yeah. So Sarah, by the way, is so Sarah is of even no matter what happens. We are, I think, going to just begin spinning propaganda that Democrats won. Absolutely. I'm right. like, because you know, Sarah Palin get up there and, like, list all these 
things and talk about how, I don't know, whatever, like duck hunting or whatever she does, and she can do that, so why can't we you know, say that the Democrats are in charge? Also, 90% from, of the American public thought that they won. Also, from this day forward, this program is going to start to, uh, targeting Joe Forty Ounce. That is going to be our new target demographic. Joe Sixpack, last week's news. The Rick Emerson Show is all about talking to Joe Forty Ounce. From this moment forward, here's Tim Riley. Well, that's what people buy when they go to Costco. That's what I'm saying. I mean, why? I mean, really, what? Skip the medibank. Go right to the bottom of the page. Joe St. Ives. That's who we're speaking to. Here is uh, Tim Riley. Look at this one here, but here we go right now. Who did the best job in the debate? 51% said Senator Biden did the best job in the debate. 36% created Governor Palin is doing the best job. CNN's results right there. You're scoring who is the winner by that poll, you would say Senator Biden. Here's another key question. Did Biden, Senator Biden, do better or worse than you expected? 64% said Senator Biden did better. Now listen to this. 14% said he was worse than they expected. 20% said he was about the same as they expected. Here's an interesting question here. What about Senator Palin? Did she do better or worse than you expected? 84% of the people watching the debate said that she did better than they expected. 84%. 7% said she did worse. 8% said she did about as expected. One more question here. Now listen to this. This is important. Is Palin qualified to serve? Oh, this is not the right one. Heading into the debate, 42% said yes. 54% said no. After the debate, 46% said yes. 53% no. So by a very small percentage point, she moved up the percentage of people who said she's qualified to be president. But certainly, if you look at Biden was scored as the winner. Okay, so that's, that's actually not. So she did tick up slightly there. There was a really interesting poll question that CNN asked last night. They said, and this is, I think, something that people should pay attention to. There was an interesting question CNN asked uh, a whole bunch of people immediately after the debate. They said, of Joe Biden or, or Sarah Palin, who seems more like a typical politician? 73% of people said Joe Biden, um, which is, I mean, which is sort of. That's a, that's a cleverly worded question. It is a cleverly, but it's an interesting question. And because, because you know how Americans feel about politicians, right? I mean, just, I mean, Americans would rather have Richard Ramirez living with them than a politician. So I don't think that's going to be enough to save John McCain. I think John McCain is a goner at this point. I think his campaign is, I think John McCain's campaign is too far gone. I don't think he, he has too much ground to make up and not enough time in which to do it. So I think John McCain is, I do believe Barack Obama will win this election Pretty easily. Not going to be a blowout. I think he's going to win unless something really staggering happens. But again, this goes back to my main point, which is that the, the really big winner last night was Sarah Palin. I don't mean Sarah Palin and John McCain. I don't mean Republicans. The big winner was Sarah Palin. And if nothing else, you know, uh, Laura asked me this. She said, well, you know what? If Sarah Palin loses, what is she going to do? Is she going to run for president? Is she going to go back to being a governor? And I mean, they might try to get her to run for president. I think it would be foolish because she would almost certainly lose and lose pretty badly. I will tell you this. She has recovered so sufficiently, doesn't matter what happens. From this day forward, Sarah Palin can spend the rest of her life doing speeches to companies for a hundred grand a pop. Or she could be on The View. Or or that. But she's going to be like Rudy Giuliani, right? I mean, what is it, like twice a year those things come to town. Borland, Oregon, a leadership seminar with, and it's always the same people, it's always Donald Trump, Colin Powell, and Rudy Giuliani. Uh, you know, and then like Zig Ziglar. And these are the people who come and they tell you how to, like, motivate yourself and be successful. And they're all paid like a hundred grand to do it. Sarah Palin can spend the rest of her life speaking to companies and to motivational seminars for a hundred grand. I mean, that she has she has guaranteed herself uh, a, a multi-million dollar per year income for the rest of her days, as long as she wants it. Um, I think she must realize that John McCain is hopeless at this point and so she's just trying to like shore up her own image so that she has a job when everything is over that would be my guess uh hi you're on the rick emerson show hello you know rick
it, it, it really almost is like Sarah is channeling Daphne Bebo Brock. She is perfect presidential fodder, not because she's going to wield power, but because she'll draw attention away from those who do. All right. Okay. Fair and enough. you got to run that last clip again, especially the first few seconds. I don't know if it's my cell phone or what, but that, that commentator, it sounds like he said, Sarah Biden. Yeah, I was hearing that Joe King. I, I, uh, um, I, uh, or John King. I, um, yeah, I think he actually said it correctly. I think it's, I think it's just a muffled soundbite. I think he did say it correctly. That is a CNN radio correspondent or a CNN television correspondent, John King. All right. Ask Matt with either one of those podiums. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, what year is he in? Uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, Rick. Did you listen last night when Sarah Palin? was saying that people were getting uh, authorized for mortgages of 300000 when they should have got mortgages for a $100,000 house. Yes. There hasn't been a $100,000 house in this market for 15 years. Oh, yes, there has. There's some right now in St. John's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that true, Tim? I know that for a fact, yes. Would you say that now is a good time for people to be looking into those homes in St. John's? Most likely, yes. Would you say that if somebody were interested in uh, getting in on the ground floor of the burgeoning neighborhood that is St. John's, <laughs> That maybe they should take steps to contact anybody, you know, anybody anywhere who might be able to help them with that. I, I know people who have. As really? A matter of fact, yes. Me too. Some of my best friends are realtors. How about that? Well, I sound stand corrected then. All right. And, and some more of our best friends are becoming realtors. <laughs> that is true. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, all right. Let's do. Uh, let's do this. Let's uh, do some more here. But, what, but before we lose kind of any more time, because this day is already just zipping by. I feel a lot and more. The show is in no particular order. No, and I had everything in nice, neat stacks, and now it's just. And you know, this is undoubtedly one of those days where like they've. This is one of those days where they, 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 this is like some. This is always like the day where a consultant is listening. Not that we have a consultant, but this is always that kind of show, where you get off the air and you find out that like no, 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 the general manager, three consultants, Les Moonves, and a guy from uh, you know uh, St. Petersburg who wants to syndicate you to forty markets and Mars. They've all been listening to the show in a hotel room and they think you suck, because I. Can we go around the room here? Is it just me, Sarah? Are you frazzled today? I am 100% frazzled. 110%. I am too, and I slept very well. I, me too. I got, a, I got a ton of sleep last night. I got I'm, eight hours of sleep. I got eight hours of sleep. And, and I, I feel frantic. I like, am ragged. I am out of sorts. I'm, uh, I'm kind of having trouble keeping my thoughts organized. I'm a little bit jumbled. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I'm not in a bad mood, but I'm sort of... Uh, not agitated, but I'm, I'm anxious. You know, I got that kind of uh, that kind of jittery, nervous energy. My hands are sort of twitchy today. So either there's I a radon leak in here, or I think some of those squirrel chasing chemicals are coming down through the vent, or maybe one of our lights is flickering and it's just giving us all some weird psychic break over the uh, course no, of the program. Like even before the show, though, like you can just Jesus. feel it in the hallways. Pol- nothing tears apart people like politics. I'm not going to have any more coffee today. Um, so let's do this. Let's do a few more, but while we're doing a couple more, I think before we lose any more uh, time in today's program, uh, let's do an Insta poll about last night. And so should we do a, a straight, you know, Biden, Palin, who won, who lost? How should we phrase today's Insta poll? I mean, should we just say, because here's the, here's the problem. After, after the election, who do you think, who do you think is going to win now after last night's debate? That might be the way to do it, because here's the thing, because I think Sarah and I, you, you and I have run into this trouble where, and I don't mean to lecture the audience, but... I think we've run into this trouble where people will hear us talk about Palin or McCain or Obama uh, or Biden, and they will, I think, 
hear us uh, analyze one candidate or another, and they think that we're sort of passing judgment on who is going to be the better leader, who knows what they're talking about. And it really isn't about, I think for the purposes of this show, it's always who did a better job. Yeah, I think a lot of people get confused, too, because sometimes when you talk, when you know, like even when you and I were discussing last night, and you're just like, I think that she might have won. I'm just like, it's it's a fine line between like when, like what you think happened and what people think you right. believe in. You and, know? and clearly Sarah Palin has no idea what she's talking about. But Sarah Palin did better TV. That's what I'm saying right there. In terms of a better broadcast, mm -hmm. and I think especially television, mm -hmm. that is all Sarah Palin. And if you say otherwise, you're lying to yourself. And uh, you do what you have to do on TV: yeah, wink, I mean, smile. Exactly. You know, in, in uh, you know, it is uh, it is all about the flash. And I will tell you that uh, in sales, there's this phrase where they say you don't sell, you know, you sell the sizzle, not the steak. And you know that is a phrase. You know, if you, maybe you've heard that. If you don't work in sales, maybe not. But uh, but that is a thing they constantly tell you when you are selling any product. You sell the sizzle, not the steak. And what that means is, you don't sell the facts. You don't sell the details. You don't sell the technical underpinnings. You sell the emotion. You sell the feeling. In other words, you don't talk about, um, you know, uh, the quality of plastics and glass and metals that went into making a car. You know what you talk about? How the car ha how the car will keep your family safe. You don't talk about what kind of metal they use. You say this car is built to keep your family safe. Jesus will watch over this car. Exactly. One is about facts. One is about a feeling. You don't talk about the internal workings of a of a of an internal combustion engine. You say when you put the hammer down, this car responds and it goes zero to seventy in three seconds. So you don't talk about how the engine works. You talk about how fast it can go. So one is emotion. One is facts. Uh, so that's what, you know, and so on television, it is sizzle. It is not steak. It is all about emotion. So maybe we should ask this question. Who, uh, after last night, well, there's two questions. We could either ask, after last night, who do you think will win the election? Or who did a better job on television? Well, I think we already established who did a better job on television. Probably. We probably, that probably so is. Maybe that shouldn't be the question. So maybe it is after last night, who do you think will win in November? Based on last night. Because if, that's basically it. Because, they're, yeah, there are the other two presidential debates, but nobody's really going to care anymore. So if no. the election were today, who do you think would win? All right, we'll do that. Okay. So I'm going to, uh, so uh, let's see, McCain, Obama. All right. So we'll just do that. I mean, that's kind of a basic question, but we'll do. We'll take the audience's temperature. So uh, we will now uh, throw out the uh, call for the Instapults, 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970, 503 The question is, if the election were held today, who would win, McCain or Obama? The election were held today, right now. Who would win, McCain or Obama? So you can call right now, 503-733-2970. Meantime, we'll do a couple more with Tim Riley. So, uh, Jerry, uh, Joe Biden was trying to show his uh, softer side on the television last night. He got kind of choked up when he was talking about his children. Let's see if we have that here. That was one of his best moments, by yeah, the way. Let's he, try it. Uh, is this some time? And one of the... Sarah Palin's worst. What a cold-hearted <laughs> That was. She really stumbled right there. She stumbled bad when he was talking about this horrible car accident. His uh, wife and daughter or daughters uh, were killed, son injured. Uh, and he was, that was, and then he got, he did that great thing. It was thing, real. It was real. And he not only was sort of poignant and it was sorrowful, but he got a little indignant at the end. He got a little angry about the healthcare system. That was his best moment of the whole night. And I, so, and I, and I'm not trying to say that he should try to be that way the whole time. Obviously, it was a very sincere moment about a loss in his family. So I'm not trying to say he should fake that. But if he had been able to sort of keep up that tone of righteous indignation about, let's say, the, you know, the, the economy. Uh, you know, the whole night he would have done a lot better, I think. That was his best moment, and you're right. Uh, right after that, they went to Sarah, 
And she was right back to having the smile and the smirk and the nurse ratchet look on her face. And she stumbled bad. She looked unfeeling. Mm -hmm. She did. She looked like a hard-hearted woman at that point. Uh, do we have that sound? We'll get back to that one later. All right. Well, let's do this then. Let us go now to uh, the phones for this, the Rick Emerson Show Instapol. Question is, if the election were held today, who would win, uh, Barack Obama or John McCain? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hi, how's it going, Rick? Scott what, here. What do you got? Hey, hey, man, you know, I'd love to put my faith in the American people that Obama would regardless. But, I mean, I'm listening to you guys screw around, listening to the storm talk about, uh, you know, uh, fluids or whatnot. This and, that. and I'm thinking fluids. that, that yes, yeah, you know, you heard it on the Internet, I'm sure. But, um, but unfortunately, I think that most people in America, especially if we take intelligence factors for what it is, most people like to screw around. And I'm, I'm listening to you guys screw around. I'm watching her on TV We're looking on you. Uh, I think that just the, the screwing around factor, middle America is going to vote for her. The screwing around factor. Yeah, because he's also cute about it. He's all intellectual. If you're thinking it through, he knows what he's talking about. But if you're listening to you and Storm and Tim screw around, and you're looking at just Sarah Bellin and going, dance with one hot pig, uh, the, bottom, <laughs> the, the bottom line is, you know, you're going to cast your vote that Wait, way. Wait, let me understand this. Are you saying I have the power to shape this election? Yeah, you did. I I'm going to use that power only for evil. I, I, I think about three quarters of the way through when you said, damn, she's hot. That was it. My vote went the wrong way. Excellent. Uh, Wonderful. I'm going to start abusing my newfound power instantly. Thank you. We're going to call that one for McCain, that's what by I think, the way. When it's all like fun and games, you know, but some, that's why I was a little disappointed in you because I'm like, I know, I know it's just an opinion. I know it's all silly. You know what? It's all silly. I, you know, my observations about the election come between a penis watch and a cannibal watch. <laughs> so if anybody is listening to the show to form your opinions... Yeah, it's your fault and your problem. I know it's their fault. Seriously. I mean, if you were really listening to this program... You use your power for good reasons. No, but that's the thing is, I couldn't. Because any reasonable, rational person wouldn't listen to the show to get opinions about anything or to form their opinions about anything. Let me just tell you right now, if you are listening to this program to get actual facts or to base your opinions, you are in a world of hurt, friend. With all due respect, the governor... All right. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show, Instapol. If the election were held today, McCain or Obama? Maverick and Goose. No. Thank you. Uh, hi. What's with the Maverick thing? I don't get it. I should have made that a drinking game. Because, you know, he plays by his own rules. Oh. He's not hemmed in by the man. Okay? He's a Maverick. Because she kept saying Maverick, and I didn't know. We should have made that a drinking term. Uh, Instapol, the vote was held today. Hey, Rick. Um, if, if you're using your power for evil, I decided that I'm going to vote for Cthulhu. Excellent. Um, now, the thing is, is Obama's going to win, but Rachel Maddow had a good point last night, and that is America is going to vote for cute and clueless over boring and wise, and that really scares me. Idiocracy in three. All right. Well, let's vote. But that, not a vote. Didn't that, that didn't count. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The vote were held today. Who is it, McCain no or Obama? Who, no matter who wins, we all lose except the liquor distilleries. Goodbye. That does not count. <laughs> Somebody I'm going to say right now, it's, it's McCain's got 100% right now because uh, everybody else wants to just make uh, uh, everybody just wants to make booze jokes, which is fine. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Instable. The election were held today. McCain or Obama? Um, Sarah Palin makes Bush look like a genius. That's um, not an answer. But Obama's going to win the election. All right. You believe Obama? Yes. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I believe that as well, by the way. I think it's Obama by a comfortable margin. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The vote were held today. I'm on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, sir. Obama. All right. Thank you. Best audience ever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, if the election were held today, who would win? Hey, Rick. Um, well, I got to tell you, I'd like to say comfortably Obama. Unfortunately... 
I thought comfortably uh, Carrie back when it was Carrie Bush, and mm-hmm. Bush just all of a sudden decided that uh, he was going to pull ahead. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with I mean, you know, let's be honest, the average American is just glued to their TV yes, and are. just watches kind of, you know, meaningless TV because that is what they're feeding to people. And, yes. you know, it's like now we're becoming mindless citizens who just obey the TV and whoever presents themselves the best on TV, well, look how pretty she looked. Let's vote for her. So She's if you had five to, kids, you had, if you had her. to call it today, then? Uh, if I had to call it today, you know, I'm still going to go Carrie. Or not Carrie, excuse me. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wouldn't that have been nice? Where would we be? Where would be? Where would we be now? Um, Who are you? What is your answer, sir? My answer is Obama. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Even though no little Joe Biden there, but I answered that in three words. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Okay, first off, on an unrelated topic, traffic on 84 sucks right now. That's the 84, sir. Yeah, the 84 sucks. The I-5 was perfect. Why is it every time I get on the 84 it blows? It's because you have bad luck attached to you because of something your ancestors did to the Indians. It's not bad luck because I can finally listen to your show. Oh, um, there you go. All right. Uh, Obama's going to win, and CD Game Exchange kicks my ass. All right. Thank you. There you go. Uh, Instapoll, if the election were held today, who would win? It's 503-733-2970. Who would win if the election were held today? Rick, it's boring listening to you gush on about the hockey dog from Alaska, you know. Is this your real voice? Get over it. Yeah, that's me. This is who I am, man. It's it's tiresome listening to you are gush you... on about her because you're part of what are you like, from you like a... her fame that's unnecessary. I'm sorry? You're giving your part of giving her notoriety that that she doesn't deserve. You know, it's all she did is display beauty queen skills. There's beauty queens all over the well, country. I will tell you this. I will. Way through those I will. I will make this observation. Uh, the reason that we talk about Sarah Palin so much is because of the four. Sarah Palin's got the most comedic potential. A moose. Vote for Obama. Well, if only you hadn't had to be dumped. Seriously, come on, you're there making a good points, and then make, you're... making a good point had to be dumped. You know. People are gross. People, you know, people <laughs> Only just Storm Large can speak like Seriously, that. People just don't know where the line is. So I, I hate to be bashing the guy after I hang up on him, but you had a really good point. And mu- actually, now most of it had to be dumped because uh, someone has a potty mouth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The election were held today. I can have to say Obama. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Yeah. Uh, Instapol, if the election were held today, we'll do one more bank of calls here. Hello. It's you. Hello. Hi. Obama. You, yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Hi, if the election were held today, where do you put it? Hi, Mom. <laughs> okay. Everybody's crazy. It's Hi. so hot in here. Is it really hot? I think you're going through menopause. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hello, it's you, sir. Obama. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Yeah, it's going to be McCain. All right. Thank you. No, but we were talking about uh, Joe Biden, his moment. That wasn't him being all... Uh, Can you turn this caller? Just a Hello? So, what, say that one more time, sir. Yeah, when, uh, you were talking about Biden being all sentimental. That was him actually uh, uh, checking his own words, trying uh, not to trip on his words, uh, talking about special needs children. Seriously, you're saying that about him talking about his dead son and wife? No, you. right before that, Taylor was talking about uh, her kids, special needs children. And he was, like, going back to that and, like... Trying to care about what he said. Are you talking uh, through a sock? I try. <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. I'm sorry, I'm a little muffled there. Uh, one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson show. Hello. <laughs> Jesus. All right, we're gonna we'll go out on that tag. I'm glad we're in here behind a lot of doors. Jesus. Then we'll play the Biden comment when we come back. I'm glad we're sealed in a bunker down here. People scare me. 
And the moon makes me feel funny. Good God Almighty. We'll take a break. Hey, it seems like there ought to be more I can say about the rampant craziness that is out there right now, but uh, we're just going to do this. I just feel like I've run a marathon or something, though, so I really I really do think at some point I need to go. I'm going to give me a rub down. Right. 503-733-2970. Let's see. Fish over to, to nibble off your dead skin. You are creepy. Um. <laughs> you don't remember that story? I do. That's only Ludwig. <laughs> I do. I'm just saying. It seemed like a long time ago. I'm just saying you're creepy, Tim. Probably unrelated to the fish comment. Um. Let's see here. I'm just going to start a stack of emails. I mean, I'm never going to get to all these. Wow. These are these are just in the last like 20 minutes or so. Uh, here's this is a great this is a great 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 email, um, and it'll sort of make you it'll make you a little sad actually because it was a very missed opportunity. Rick Joe Biden missed an opportunity for a knockout punch last night. They asked Sarah Palin why she thought she was ready to be vice president, and she said it was because she was a governor of a large energy energy producing state. Biden's response to that should have been. Last time somebody thought they were ready to be president, they were governing a large energy-producing state, and we all saw how that turned out. Oh, yeah. And he didn't, I mean, it never would have occurred to me, obviously it didn't okay, occur to him. but his bridge to nowhere comment was genius. Eh, it was okay, a little party. I liked it, I, I laughed. I, and the audience laughed, Did you, too. you lolled? Yes. Okay, I, I found that a little corny. Um, his, Biden's two best moments last night, and we made sure to, uh, to point this out, his two great moments were talking about health care. Because he had the real sincerity and the sort of the family, you know, issues that he, you know, he conveyed the sort of tragedy of that. And then he had the righteous indignation about the state of American health care. And then when he was talking about Iraq, he was really good mm -hmm. when he said that. And we will put a plan in place to draw down our troops like, you know, we, we will do that. And Sarah Palin did use the word withdrawal. And that was really interesting, too, is that the Republican was saying withdrawal and Joe Biden kept saying drawdown. Mm -hmm. And I mean... Well, I do have that other uh, Joe Biden comment ready. Right, let me just read a couple more of these. Do that, and then, I, and then I do have one other observation about the two of them and how similar they are in many ways. Uh, this one just says, "Kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me." I can't stand Sarah Palin. Kill me, kill me, kill me. And then this one says, "WTF? She's about to bust out some Alaskan flavored Cockney or something. Kill me now." Uh, let's see. Uh, don't you know? Uh, let's see. I hear another one. Tonight's winner. Anybody who likes to get drunk. Here's another one. I'm drunk. That's D-R-O-N-K. I'm drunk already. I'm 12 minutes into the debate, and I can hardly walk. Sarah Palin has forced me to drink. Tom. All right, what is the other uh, the other Joe Biden thing here? Okay, this is the one when he's talking about his family. This is in public office. People can judge who I am. I haven't changed in that time. And by the way, a record of change. I will place my record and Barack's record against John McCain's or anyone else in terms of fundamental accomplishments. Wrote the crime bill, put 100,000 cops in the street. Wrote the Violence Against Women Act, which John McCain voted against both of them. Uh, was the, the catalyst to change the circumstance in Bosnia, led by President Clinton, obviously. Look, I understand what it's like to be a single parent. 
when my wife and daughter died and my two sons were gravely injured, I understand what it's like as a parent to wonder what it's like if your kid's going to make it. I understand what it's like to sit around the kitchen table with a father who says, I got to leave, champ, because there's no jobs here. I got to head down to Wilmington, and when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. I understand what it's like. I'm much better off than almost all Americans now. I get a good salary as United States Senate. I live in a beautiful house. It's my total investment that I have. So I, I am much better off now. Now, but the notion that somehow, because I'm a man, I don't know what it's like to raise these two kids alone. I don't know what it's like to have a child you're not sure is going is to make it. I understand. I understand. As well as, with all due respect to governor or anybody else, what it's like for those people sitting around that kitchen table. And guess what? They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. Governor. People aren't looking for more of the same. They are looking for change. Chelsea, this and is where she McCain sucks right here. She has a big smile on her. Yeah. Maverick in the Senate over uh, all these years. All right. He's taking shots. Turn that off. Um, yeah, she goes back to the Maverick. I just don't. I can't take it. I can't. I can't take any more of her voice. I just can't do it. Uh, and I will. Here's another thing: is that Joe Biden does so much better on the radio. His voice really works. Where on television, he seemed very low energy. It's the it's the it's the opposite for her though. Because watching her on television, I, I gotta, again, I, she's a very effective. She gives a lot, you know, because last night was not a debate, and we made this point earlier. It's, it, it, it was they were rehearsed. Things. Yeah, a series of mini speeches on both sides, and she does give speeches very well. That's why I figured she would do uh, what she did last night, which is to be effective. Because you know, in debate, she would get her look. Katie Couric froze up her brain. She could not answer a question from Katie Couric. Uh, but when it comes to the miniature speeches, she's really good. But she really, really choked right there uh, when Biden does that great, very sincere observation of health care. And then she goes right back to being like the happy, like brainless Edie McClurg thing. And that's where she really that was that was that was full of fail. That, that response right there. Um, the other great thing, though, is, yeah, but when, it, when Biden was talking about drawing down the troops in Iraq, but it was strange that for a while he was saying drawdown. She was saying withdrawal, which you don't ever hear Republicans say. And it, the other thing is last night and Storm and Tim and I were all just kind of groaning at this moment. When, as much as you would like to think that the parties are really different and that, you know, that there's a clear-cut difference and they're coming from, you know, very unique places, uh, you know, as opposed to one another, there's a lot of moments when you realize how, how, that, not, uh, how that isn't true, how, how not true that statement is. And it was when Gwen Ifill said, do you support uh, gay marriage? And Joe Biden says, no, I don't. Senator Palin, do you support, uh, Governor Palin, do you support gay marriage? No, I don't. And then that's when you just have to hang your head, you know, and realize that let's just talk about the Democrats, the supposed progressives, the party of change, the party of tolerance, the party of unity, the party of treating all equally, the party of equal rights cannot even bring themselves to use the phrase gay marriage. Get a goddamned spine. Will you please? Will you please, for the love of God, quit being such a bunch of pussies? The idea that the Democratic Party thinks that people will somehow uh, just defect in droves or that the sky will fall if they use the phrase gay marriage shows why Democrats can't win because they're afraid to just come out and just stand for something. And so they end up doing nothing, which is, you know, the same as defaulting to the Republican position. Wouldn't you have loved it if Joe Biden just said, yes, I do. Next question. I mean, that would have been great. It would have been a great moment. But instead, they have to do the whole, well, I support, uh, you know, civil unions and... uh, an equal distribution of rights, but no, I do not support gay marriage, to which an entire, uh, I think, swath of the American public just sort of shakes their head and grinds their teeth and realizes how far we have to come before there's any real difference between the parties on a lot of things. Just, you know, 
Seriously, it's 2008. Can we not? Can we just grow up as a country, for the love of God? Here's Tim Riley. So, what does Fred Thompson think about the debate from last night? I don't know. I'm sure it's inspiring. He was strong and persuasive and in good humor and, uh, and, and connected with the average person. And uh, I, I just thought it did an absolutely masterful job. Uh-huh. With Halloween fast approaching, Sean Diddy Combs has found one thing that frightens him the most, Sarah Palin. A hip-hop mogul did his best Blair Witch Project impression on his latest video blog when talking about the Republican vice presidential candidate. She scares me. She scares me. I'm hiding under the covers. She's worse than the boogeyman. She's what? Is this Michael Jackson? the boogeyman. (laughs) Sarah Palin. Scare me. You could become the president of the United States. Boys and girls, vote. Please. I'm not coming out the covers. I'm, I'm staying underneath the covers. It's safe underneath the covers. You got to vote on November 4th. You got to get registered. You have to. Is that her? Sarah! Sarah! Well, then. Why does she have to have my name? I don't know. Um, Is he really... Doing a Blair Witch parody? Yes. What year is this? All right, well, whatever. Okay. You know, the, uh, the wry witticisms of Sean Combs. Jews to trick you. Hello. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Vote, Quimby. Thank you. Okay. One of those days. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello. Uh, one word yes. that tied Sarah Palin to Bush for me was the word nuclear. Oh, over oh, no. and over and oh, over. I hate that. It's nuclear. Please, people. Thank if I you. Can, That's uh, all I had to say. All right. If I can recycle a joke from last night, maybe she could look up the correct uh, correct pronunciation at a library. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, I noticed all your comments about the debates actually really mirrored uh, Matthew Santos in season six of The West Wing. Really? Yeah. I have uh, to tell you, here's a little confession, me to you. I haven't watched season six or seven of The West Wing because after Aaron Sorkin left, I found the writing uh, to be real flat. I, uh, the show kind of lost a lot of its spark and energy, although I have been told that, uh, especially in the final season and for part of season six, it really did pick up and it got back to being a good show. So I have to actually, West Wing fan that I am, I haven't seen anything beyond season five. Yeah, uh, about halfway through season six, it really picks up again, so, especially after they added Alan Alda. To so worth, worth watching. Yes, definitely. In what way do my comments mirror? Uh, who is it that my comments mirror? Uh, Matthew Santos. Uh, and in, in what way? What character is he? Um, Josh Lyman picks him up to be uh, the Democratic nominee for their next election. Oh, is it Jimmy Smith? Uh, is that the Jimmy Smith character? Okay, well, but in what way are my comments the same as his? I'm curious to know uh, how I how I mirror someone in the West Wing. Uh, he talks a lot about how. Um, the debates aren't debates. They're just them talking yeah. not, and saying talking points and stump speeches, not an actual discussion. No, it is. Uh, yeah, they are. They are miniature speeches and miniature presentations of memorized bullet points. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate any comparison to anything even kind of related to Aaron Sorkin. Thank you. I thought you might appreciate it. I do, sir. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, just speaking of Aaron Sorkin. So, you know, we're giving away that sports night uh, DVD set, the entire series on DVD. So I'm watching the... Uh, I'm watching the final episode of Sportsnet last night, this great episode called uh, Quo Vadimus, which is the series and season finale. 
and Thomas Schlame, who's the director, and Aaron Sorkin. And Tommy Schlame, he's got the best name ever. So Tommy Schlame, the director, and Aaron Sorkin, who wrote it, of course, they're doing the commentary. So I'm listening to the commentary for Sports Night, and it's one of those, you know, I love Aaron Sorkin, but it's another one of those things where you watch, like Joni does this uh, sometimes, Joni DeRoshi, she'll do this with movies, so she'll watch a movie, and the movie is so good, she just starts screaming out, like, F you to the director because he's so talented that she's just filled with envious rage. So I'm listening to the commentary for Sports Night, and at one point, Tommy Schlamme makes the observation to Aaron Sorkin. He goes, well, Aaron, you were really busy this year. You wrote uh, 22 episodes of Sports Night and 22 episodes of The West Wing all by yourself. And Aaron just goes, Aaron Sorkin goes, yes, I did. You know, and it was just like, oh, bastard. Wrote 44 episodes of television like that. I mean, it, and then, but by the way, there is this great moment on the Sports Night commentary where Schlamme says, so, yeah, you wrote uh, an entire season of uh, Sports Night, an entire season of The West Wing all by yourself. Boy, it's, uh, I don't even know how you could do that. And there's this long, awkward pause where you can tell that they both realize that the way he did it is by smoking crack. Uh, they didn't mention that, by the way. Here's Tim Riley. So in case you haven't heard yet, the House has passed a new financial bailout plan. That vote took place days after the Senate had overwhelmingly passed a plan of their own. The House had rejected a $700 billion bailout measure at the beginning of the week, a move that sent the Dow Jones spiraling down 777 points. More financial news. Six of Washington Mutual's top 11 executives have left that bank after last week's takeover by J.P. Morgan Chase. Former WAMU CEO Alan Fishman, COO, Ku, uh, Steve Wartella. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Those are the initials for these people. CEO, COO, which is a coup. Uh, legal counsel Michael Solander and three others are no longer part of that failed bank. J.P. Morgan retail chief Charlie Schroff says WAMU employees and retirees will get a pension as well as 401k and deferred compensation plans, and all WAMU branches will be converted into Chase Banks by the end of 2010. Washington Mutual's 43,000 employees should find out by December 1st if they'll be able to keep their jobs. By when? By December 1st. Oh, so that's a nice long, uh, that's a nice two months just sitting and waiting. Yeah. Well, don't, don't go on a cruise. Like Washington Mutual. By the way, you are listening to KCMD Portland, a CBS radio station. Oh, let's see, we got the more response about last night. Uh... This one's from, uh, what's this? Uh, Rick, watch Biden's forehead. He's taken Botox, and it has served him poorly. Somebody else suggested that he had taken some Botox. It looks like he had some work done. There was also, uh, and I think somebody else has also speculated he's had uh, the uh, the medical hair restoration done. I don't know if that's a fact, but they've, uh, they've uh, you would think he'd get more put on, but you know what are you going to do? Um, let's see, how about this? Rick, If you're, I was not reading this during the debate, but he says, Rick, if you're reading these emails while watching the debate, please ask Storm to say sodomite a few more times. I'd really appreciate it. Excellent, thanks. Uh, let's see, what else? VP debate, Rick. This is funny. Rick, about halfway through the debate, I couldn't take the radio or the TV. Uh, oh, he says, I couldn't take the radio and TV not syncing up correctly, so I switched over to Family Guy. Biden is so much less boring this way. There's nothing better than hearing Brian say Hezbollah as he receives an adult film award. I was disappointed that Palin just looks like Meg now that I've switched channels. I am more than a little drunk thanks to your drinking game. Best debate commentary ever. All right, thank you. How about this one? Rick, here's a prediction. Bristol Palin's baby will be named Surge. Surge. All right, whatever. Here's Tim Riley. So now we have a Portland loan officer pleading guilty to bank fraud and bad mortgages. A real estate loan officer who put together fraudulent mortgage deals has pled guilty to bank fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering. Marty Ray Fulwick of Portland is scheduled to be sentenced December 8th. Prosecutors recommend more than five years in federal prison. He reportedly made more than 70 fraudulent deals during the housing boom that led to today's high housing prices. Of course, he didn't do this all alone. 
The charges to which he pled guilty relate to a single property in Woodburn, and he must forfeit part of this as a plea bargain. It alleges that uh, Fulwick found buyers for the property, then falsified their loan application by overstating their monthly income, like that wasn't going on everywhere, failing to disclose that buyers had an outstanding mortgage on another property and failed to disclose that Fulwick was receiving a $25,000 kickback from the deal. That is very, very wrong. Well, we don't need to. Well, he's a bad guy. By the way, so speaking of that, Tim, so the financial crisis and the housing market and all that. Oh, speaking of uh, speaking of speaking of that, Scotty J will be with us at one thirty today. Scotty J will be in the studio to do a suburban perspective on Sarah Palin, uh, and we'll find out what he's been up to. It rhymes with unemployed. Uh, so uh, let me just read this. this is I I sort His of life seems to have sp- spiraled out of control since he left here. <laughs> Well, Tim, once you leave the protective bubble of the Rick Emerson show, you're on your own. That's why I never leave. Yeah. This is my own little Hotel California. <laughs> That's the best thing you've ever said. Um, I will be eternally grateful to Christina Carlson for deciding to move to Bend with her family. And yep, maybe. totally. Um, no, 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 because it's like one, once you leave, what, what movie am I thinking of where the guy says, like, once you leave here, I cannot guarantee your safety. What movie is that? Where there's the hero is with some folks, and the guy says, if you stay here, I can guarantee your safety. If you leave, I cannot. Who, wait, is it Lord of the Rings? It seems like that, somebody call up and tell me that. That's a thing that you have to call about. Lord of the Rings. It seems that there's some movie where the guy says, if you stay here, I can guarantee your safety. If you leave, you, you, know, you may be killed. I think that does happen to Diana uh, on Wonder Woman, though, when she leaves Amazonian Island or whatever the hell that is. and whatever. Is it when Liv Tyler's character leaves? No, 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 because that's because she's still immortal. But what's his name? Aragon, Aragorn. One of them is the spider from Harry Potter, and the other one's the Strider guy. Anyway, but he's uh, you know immortal and she's not. Anyway, so I don't really remember this uh, from the debate last night. But this guy says it happened, or this woman—it's sort of a gender-neutral name—says, uh, "Did you and Tim hear this in the middle of the debate they had uh, about the housing market?" where Biden said that Obama and Biden want to give bankruptcy courts the power to adjust the interest rate down for people, but also to adjust the principal balance down for people who are in a housing crisis. Did you hear that, Tim? No, I didn't hear that part. I mean, it, maybe we missed it. There was a lot that we were sort of commenting until we didn't hear other stuff. So I don't know if that's true. Uh, I would be curious to know if that is true, that if Biden and Obama want to be able to give courts the power to adjust a, the, the principal balance down for people, because that seems wrong. You know, the thing where it's like, as it's like I said, you know, that'd you, be nice. I'd find that very acceptable. I suppose that'd be nice if you bought a house that you couldn't possibly afford. I mean, it does seem a little weird to me. And again, I'm only basing this on this email. Maybe they didn't really say this, and maybe Biden isn't in favor of it. But if you save and responsibly put down money for a house uh, that you can afford that is within your budget, and then you were paying for it, if some jackass down the street buys some house that he knows he can't afford. It seems wrong for them to come in, for Biden and Obama to come in and adjust that guy's principal down. You know, yeah, he bought a house he couldn't afford. F him. I don't think that. I'm not saying they're going to do that. This is this person is saying that, that, that Biden said that was part of their plan. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm basing this solely on the email, so I don't know if that's, that's true or not. That's an incredible promise. We should all take advantage of that. I mean, I guess. Maybe I ought to go buy some stuff right now. Maybe this is the time to buy, you know. Is it, Tim? Is there any place in particular where I should be looking for a house? Oh, all over the city, really. I don't want to... Any particular city? Any particular part of the city? No, what kind of areas, like, still kind of up and coming that hasn't really been, you know, bought out? Hmm. What if... to think about I that. mean, is it, uh, let's see, uh, Lake Oswego? Yes, that would be a good place for you to move. Uh, how well, about like the... Sovie Island. Sovie Island? Yes, that too. What about St. John's? That's the up and coming Sovie's Island. 
Is it really? It's an island onto itself. Is it an excellent place to live? Oh, I think so, yes. I've lived there in the past myself. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Many of your best friends are from St. John's. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, what's up? I think uh, Brett Thompson could have made it further in the Republican primaries. How to use some of those cliches that he uses law and order. He totally should have put together a speech or a debate that was nothing but uh, clips from movies he's been in, like Iron Eagle quotes. <laughs> yeah, well, like when uh, Sam Watterson's character, Jack McCoy, when right. they argue, then they're arguing over, like, moving forward with the case. They'll be like, well, damn it, Jack. I don't like picking up the tab unless I've had a few bourbons myself. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving forward. Thank you, sir. You are a genius. All right, there you go. Wow. By the way, everybody's now agreeing that Serge Palin is the best name ever for the next kid. All right. Uh, Sarah Palin just released her taxes, showing most of the family's income from her salary comes from her being governor of Alaska. Hey, by the way, were you disappointed that Biden didn't point out that she's a millionaire? When she was talking about, and I, you know, struggling to figure out how to put my kids through college. Why didn't Biden, because Biden, you know, to his credit, Biden really made a point of saying, look, I am better off than most Americans. I've done really well. I've been very fortunate. My family is secure. He does. Why his, his income is 2.4 million. Yeah. Past uh, Biden did a really, really good job of, of making that point, that he is better off than the average American. Why didn't he say, look, Sarah, you're a millionaire. I mean, he should have flat out said, I think this is why a lot of people were disappointed in Biden last night, because they wanted him to just tag her because she's because she so richly deserves it. Right. That's the thing. Sarah Palin just deserved a good figurative smacking around but last night. That saves that double-edged sword, though, because it might have been kicking her when That is such crap, though, because <laughs> I don't know you're, anybody. You can't who, pick on a dumb girl. But no one would have been angry about that that already wasn't going to vote for her. You know what I mean? The only people who would have been irritated if he just cuffed her, the only people that would have bothered were people that were already in the bag for her to begin with. He should have tagged her long and hard last night. He really should have. He should have just taken multiple. He should have thrown a lot of sharp elbows at her. Uh, he really should have. And I know people, you know, he did, he did win on points. Biden won on substance. But, man, he would have gained himself a lot more traction. I mean, even more if he had just gone after her and said, look, it, you know, it, you were a bad governor. You can't answer any questions. You don't read newspapers. Uh, your experience is that you claim you can see Russia, which is like saying you're an astronomer because you can see the moon from your porch. Oh, and by the way, you're a millionaire. Quit pretending you're a common person, Sarah. He should have just said that flat out. If he'd done that, man, he would have spiked like 90%. Now, I know a lot of people what? think it, it, that he won and he did on content, but that would have served him really well. He just put her in her place. And he should have come out right when she said that she had just been to um, a soccer game. What soccer game did she go to last weekend, and where was the soccer game held? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's that why was the first gap that nobody else picked A up. lot of people found and it frustrating that he did not just give her what she clearly has coming to her. I mean, really. And people could think somebody that that's whatever. Will. I think it has to happen. Uh, because, I mean, she because she just she just is asking to be challenged on so many of these points and really just taken down several pegs in terms of her smirking and her snarkiness. And the way she's like her... disrespecting him, she's like, oh, Joe, don't you know? I'm yeah. like, oh, God, you stupid woman. And I think everybody was sort of screaming like, sweep the leg! And he just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go in for the kill. And it was frustrating to me because you know he could have done it. You know he could have just just schooled her. Uh, and, and, he, and he didn't do it, which I found very disappointing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. 
Uh, good afternoon, uh, Rick. I, I'm, I'm, there may be more than one movie with that line, you know, if you leave this place, I can't guarantee your safety, but the one that popped in my head was the movie Sneakers. No! Robert, it's Robert totally Redford. That. He's in the car with the Soviet, or the former Russian consulate. Yeah. He says, if, if this is part of Soviet soil, if you stay here, I can guarantee your safety. Once you leave Carter, you're not safe. That is totally true. I can offer you asylum. That is yeah, absolutely right. a good catch, sir. That's the story on short notice, my friend. All right, thank you. Well oh. done. All right, thanks. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's like, uh, and he, but instead he gets out of the limo and too many secrets. <laughs> All right, uh, and so forth. Here's Tim Riley at uh, the Ministry of Truth. Well, now Wells Fargo has agreed to purchase Wachovia for $15.1 billion. This deal was announced last night just days earlier. It was announced that Citigroup had negotiated to buy Wachovia's banking operations and most of his assets. Now that deal is off, dead. The deal would have been supervised by the FDIC, which included federal assistance. The new deal with San Francisco-based Wells Fargo is strictly private, so you're off the hook as a taxpayer. If only we could settle all these things like this the old-fashioned way. Commenting on the news of the sale, Wachovia President and Chief Executive Robert Steele said, quote, This deal enables us to keep Wachovia intact and preserve the value of a company without government support. Hours before the Wells Fargo buyout went through, Wachovia stock closed at $3.91. Well, Wells Fargo ended the day at $35.16. Wells Fargo's in pretty good shape for a bank. Maybe it's all because of Scott Daly. Word of the deal is that Wachovia shares up $6.51 in pre-market trading. Wells Fargo shares also crept up slightly to $35.50. That's a lot for a bank these days. Meanwhile, Citibank star shares fall 11% to $20. Oh, by the way, there was a great moment last night when Biden called uh, Dick Cheney the most dangerous vice president we've that. ever had. That was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a nice little jab there when he said, I think Dick Cheney is the most uh, dangerous vice president we've ever... He should have just called him evil, but I mean, I'll accept dangerous. The most dangerous vice president we've ever had. Because you could hear people all across the country going, yeah, mm -hmm. right there. That's a little red meat. I can believe that you didn't grasp, grasp onto that, the, the ultimate bridge to nowhere thing. That was genius. It was good. We, we all jumped up. Here, I have the it was good. I'm a little corny, I thought, but. So you're going to have to place, replace a $12,000 plan with a $5,000 check you just given to the insurance company. I call that the ultimate bridge to nowhere. Thank you, Senator. Now, I don't know. It makes me cringe a little bit. It's a little. Oh, I loved it. Well, because that was the only, like, smacking that you got to hear. Like, yeah. Like, you just, like, and it pans out, and you can see her face, and she's kind of, like, smacking her lips and writing whatever. Yeah. It was okay. Oh, by the here we go. From the transcript, Tim. Uh, this is Joe Biden talking last night. Um, he's talking about uh, the bankruptcy bill, mortgage holders, blah, blah, blah. John, I'm quoting now from the transcript. Thank you to um, Thurston, who sent us this. This is Joe Biden. Quote, with regard to bankruptcy now, Gwen, what we should be doing now, and Barack Obama and I support it, we should be allowing bankruptcy courts to adjust not just the interest rate you're paying on your mortgage to be able to stay in your home, but to be able to adjust the principal that you owe, comma, the principal that you owe, end that, quote. That, that's absurd. That is a direct quote from Joe Biden last night, that he wants bankruptcy courts to be able to reduce the principal that you owe on something you agreed to pay for. That is Joe Biden well, no, that, saying that, that. that is breaking a contract. That is breaking a legal contract. Mm -hmm. And it's I would against the law. I would say that it not only seems to be breaking a contract, that also seems to be, in, in my opinion, uh, that is not right. That is immoral. If you agree in a legally binding contract to pay for something, unless there is a dispute about the legality of the contract or the services offered uh, or performed, 
unless there is some uh, dispute about whether all conditions in the contract were met. In other words, you, you know, like I've had that where you dispute a bill, where they bill you for something, you go, hey, you're billing me, but you didn't do this. I'm not paying this. This didn't happen. But, and again, I'm quoting now Joe Biden. He says, we should be allowing bankruptcy courts to readjust not just the interest rate you're paying on your mortgage to be able to stay in your home, but to be able to adjust the principal that you owe. And he says it twice, comma, the principal that you owe, end quote, which is crazy. That's absurd. That is total. That's crazy talk is what that is. He can't possibly mean that. That can't possibly be true. Nobody's taking him up on it. He must have. Uh, he must be misstating that somehow. That is insane. I mean, even I know that's insane and I know almost nothing. All right, that's from the transcript. Uh, Jesus. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. What's up? Okay, here's the deal on that bankruptcy thing and rewriting the principal. Uh, these are for houses that are going to be in bankruptcy, and the bank would have to take them over and foreclose on them. The bankruptcy judges would be able to rewrite the mortgage so the bank would be guaranteed of getting 90% of the house's value. And for banks, that could be a good deal because otherwise they're stuck with a foreclosed house on their hands. This way they're getting payment, but they well, how, hold on. How does the hit. Hold on. How does the court guarantee that they even get 90% of it? Well, they guarantee it because a person can't file Well, it's guaranteed. Look, if I can't pay anything for it. is guaranteed because a person's filed bankruptcy, they can't file again. That's what I'm saying. So, if, in other words, if I buy some house I can't possibly afford... And I'm falling behind on my payments, and the bank steps, the courts step in, and somehow they insanely do this thing of lowering the principal I owe, which is taking money away from the bank, by the way, who, if, or, you know, from the, the, the house seller, uh, the holder of the mortgage. Um, you know, if, if, they're t if they're taking away money that is owed as part of that contract, how can you then even guarantee that the person who couldn't pay the full amount can even pay the 90%? Well, you can't guarantee it, but it's better, and according to a lot of banks, uh, you know, they might think it's better because they're getting 90% of the value. Taking well, it seems like that ought to be taking a gamble on that rather than being assured well, of having a right, foreclosed it's home. Kind of, it's kind of like auctioning off a repo at a car wash. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point, but that should be the bank's decision. That should not be right. the, bank, the, court, the decision of the courts. That's not the but, court's right to do that. You know, and I'm not defending it, but this happens all the time with credit cards. People get on over their heads. They call a credit card company, and they say, either take half of what I owe or take nothing. Uh so this is uh, the American way. Well, I suppose. I mean, and I can, you know, and nobody disagrees if with that. If it comes to that. If it comes to that. But again, if you, but it, it, I'm just, just make this one tiny little distinction. If, if you're calling up a credit card company and you say, look, I owe like a billion dollars, but I've only got half a billion. So it's kind of a take it or leave it thing. And the credit card company says, well, all right, you know, uh, we'll take half of what we're owed because we'd rather have something than nothing. That's one thing because that's between you and the other party to the contract. It seems wrong for any politician to say that they are going to have the courts, the government, step in and tell a business they must accept less than they are owed. I that, agree. That's really weird. All right. Well, thank it's you for the clarification. It's a, little, a little different than just the general statement that they'd be able to rewrite right. uh, the principle to anything. All right. Thank you for the uh, clarification, uh -huh. sir. All right. That's just that's just strange. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of this creativity in the financial markets. You think? If you think of all the things that went on that we didn't know about, right? Now that we know what's going on, a lot of stuff that may have gone on all along is going to be made public. And Richie is saying, why not extend that to student loans? Hey, you only owe eighty percent of your student loans. Hey, you only owe seventy percent of your hospital bill. Hey, you only owe eighty uh, percent on that uh, DVD player that you put on layaway. Um, you know what that is, Tim? Creeping socialism. socialism. Uh, you're listening to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, hello. 
Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Uh, first of all, I think there's uh, uh, on the uh, on the whole bailout uh, uh, issue, the underlying cause of the financial crisis is bad mortgages that they can't evaluate, that will never be collected. Right. And so the theory is you put something together, like the other caller was saying, that would put money back into the banks rather than having it just sit, uh, having that property sit empty. Uh, the uh, surrounding property declines in value while nobody can buy it because of the credit crunch. Renegotiate to get something rather than nothing. Well, I, I uh, don't disagree with that. I just don't okay, know that the it's... the second part... Well, I, no, I, if I can just say something, I don't disagree sure, with sure. that at being maybe a, a a good business practice in theory, but I think I think Tim and I, with the point we're making is that's between you know the business and the person who owes the money. That the government has no right to step in and tell a business they must take less. Well, the courts can because under Chapter 13 for uh, for individuals, you're restructuring your debt. You're not paying 100 percent on a uh, hundred cents on the dollar. In both the business and uh, personal bankruptcy under Chapter 13, you're renegotiating your debt downward. But I don't know that any... what your debt service is. Sometimes, well, many I... times, the principal. I suppose and adjudication from a judge. I sit there and, and judge the quality of uh, the office. I do agree with, but I'm, I guess my thing is I don't necessarily know that that needs. It just seems like it, the more you expand that, it's like the more you just. It does seem like the more you expand that, and the more facets of that you allow to exist like it's just you're going to dig yourself into this weird hole where the government is like stepping in and regulating debt after debt after debt and well no seems strange what is your second point well my second point was uh i forget <laughs> no, was it about the, boobs oh, oh yeah oh we got to talk about sarah palin's panty lines don't let me forget about that what uh but go ahead and make your final point and then we'll talk about panty lines well, the final point is that these are extraordinary times in, in, in the market, in, in, in our economy, and rather than con continuously going back to the taxpayer and demanding payout after a bailout after bailout, if we can get the individuals who are in these default mortgages to pay uh, reasonable Oh, that was my point. My point was the underlying <laughs> cause of uh, of these uh, bad mortgages yes. uh, can be proven to be fraud. Well, then there is a good cause to reduce uh, the the principal amount as well, well as the entrance. Here's a good question. You still there? Yeah. I'm here's still. a good question to you and Tim. And I'm only asking this because I really don't know the answer. Uh, so when they say this, that they say, well, this is fraudulent lending. Yes. What does that really mean? Okay, number one, there there are plenty of instances that have been recorded and documented that uh, uh, there was the old uh, three-card money trick going on where the, uh, the applicant for the mortgage was stating an accurate uh, uh, amount of what their income was, what they're able to put down, and so on. And through the magic of uh, the Internet, uh, the uh, crooked uh, loan broker, uh, was able to lie and oh, which is what we just uh, had in that story about the guy. Like we uh, just had in that story. Oh man, what, what story? I, no, I'm Tim. Like, Tim actually just had a story. So this we just about ten minutes ago had a story about a guy that has been charged with you know he would effectively it's a, like double somebody's income on paper. That guy needs a flogging. Yes, but he needs that, more that than a flogging. That was fairly common. All right. Yeah, it was very common. Yeah. All right. And and, and number two, uh, they were and in order to do that, the uh, loan broker was telling the the applicant, oh my gosh, you can qualify for even more of a house with these, these payments. And uh, you know, most people are not very sophisticated when it comes to signing a contract. You know, believe it or not. You know what? You know, this would all be better if people had just listened to Bruce Williams when he said, "Kiddo, did you have a lawyer?" All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right.
that, and that really, by the way, that is really one of the big bottom lines here. You sign a contract uh, to buy something that is, uh, you know, more than $12, you have a lawyer look at it. I mean, that's – how much of this, I think, probably could have been pre- prevented if you had just gone and you paid some guy, you know, a couple hundred bucks an hour to look – I mean, look, if you're buying a house, it's going to be $300,000, $500,000. You know what? Spend a few hundred bucks an hour. Have a guy look at the contract for you. Uh, you just uh, – that is the one thing that I really got drilled into me by Bruce Williams. You ever buy a house? Tiger, you've you got to have counsel. You can't not have a lawyer. I do wish you well. Man, what does Bruce Williams think about all this? I don't know. He's not on the air anywhere anymore. He's not anywhere? All right, well, not here. Hmm. I mean, he's not here. He's not in Portland. All right, let's talk panty lines, Sarah. I'm sorry, that was creepy just now. Uh, Sarah Palin, you said she had panty lines. Mm-hmm. Discuss. You could tell right when she walked out, when it was like that back shot, when they were first just walking out to the stage. Right. A, her dress was super, super tight. Oh, man, she looked so hot last night. Jeez, okay. Yeah, it was just super tight, and yeah, and you could see like the creases on the sides of the Guys dig panty lines. That's why she did it. Guys oh, like probably, panty lines. Yeah, I'm sure that everything about it was... Boy, could that neckline have been more plunging? I kept wanting that podium to get out of the way. I wanted to see how far down it went. Uh, but, uh, she had a, t- a top underneath it. It seemed... I thought she had a big... I, I thought no, I was seeing... With the, with the black top underneath. Oh, maybe. Maybe I'm just... Maybe it was projecting. Um, yeah. So, um, boy, she... shopping it out. Well, she was just, she has a huge jaw. I'll say that. She has like Jessica Simpson's face, you know, where it's like uh, normal, 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 huge jaw. And then back to, but she was really, really attractive last night. She looked very good. I have to say that I kept getting, to, and Storm too, kept getting distracted by uh, by how hot she looked. Um, there's just, a, there, there's just something. She is very magnetic. Um, there is something really um, very attractive about her. Oh, look, she's, it's, she's super tan. Super white teeth. That's kind of distracting. Like a big, shiny black suit. I mean, yeah. of course she's going to be distracting. Plus, you know, she can do all the accessories, like have, having her huge hair. Her bangs were distracting me. They were, like, stuck under her glasses, and I yeah. wasn't listening to what she was saying. And, and they, her eyelashes got caught in her bangs at one point. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that dress was great. She had a great – and Tim, first comment – the first debate comment of the night last night. We were doing the running commentary, uh, Tim Riley, Storm Large, myself. First comment of the night, Tim Riley, she looks like a goth. Which was, she did kind of have that goth outfit. And then I was all distracted by, A, the fact that she had a, pla- a flag pin the size of Delaware. Uh, I mean, her flag pin was massive. I'm surprised she wasn't, like, uh, sorry she wasn't listing 30 degrees to starboard. No. Port? Port. Uh, also, then I kept thinking, does she have two flag pins on? How many pins is Sarah Palin wearing? Turns out she has a pin that is for you if you have a family in, in, uh, in combat. And it actually is that same thing they used to do back in the 40s, where you'd put the blue star in your window if somebody was serving. I think you would put a white star. Those are still around. They do. Barry Manilow. When I saw Barry Manilow in concert a few years ago, he did this whole songs of the big bands from the World War II area, like Don't Sit, uh, era from like uh, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree with anybody but me. And Barry Manilow did this whole little riff describing the stars they would put in the window and what they meant. It was like blue stars. It was one blue star for every member of the family who was in service. And then... You know, so one star for every family member who was overseas. I think the stars went gold if they were home safe, and I think the stars went, they were white if they were killed. Um, and you would see, like, three white stars in somebody's window. You know, they had three family members die. Um, so I think she was wearing a variation on that as a pin last night. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, great dress, though. Uh, wait, here somebody says, Palin in HD, no good. Email says, Rick, I watched the debate in HGTV. Sarah Palin does not look all that great. Her neck and chest look specked like someone threw acid on her. (laughs) (laughs) 
I watched the debate on regular TV. She looked better, but in HD, not so much. Best show ever, Ryan and the PDX. All right. I wouldn't think that she'd hold up under high def. All right. We've got... Oh, Richie's pointing this out right now. Three of the four callers now are female. So let's do this right now. If you're on hold and a woman, uh, we will do this. We're going to get... Uh, let's see. Three of the four callers apparently are females. Uh, hi. Uh, say you're a woman... I'm sorry, I'm just kind of stealing from Lycus there. Hi, uh, what, what, what say you, uh, you? Hi, it's Melissa, how are you? Hello, hi, what do you got? Well, <laughs> with regards to the previous gentleman caller, um, you know what? It, it, whether or not the loan guy re- reneged on the forms, the person buying the house had to have known what they were doing as well. Well, that's my thing. I mean, even if they're lying about your income, if so, look, if you're making, uh, you know, uh, if you and you, if you, you know, your income for as a family is like forty grand, and the guy goes, sure, you can afford this six hundred thousand dollar house. Like that's when what the Mormons call the still small voice ought to be yeah, kicking in. No, yeah. really, I have no sympathy for any of those people. I mean, just because you know they say you can afford three times your salary, well, just because you know you're making a hundred thousand dollars, three hundred. Hundred thousand a year doesn't mean you can afford a three hundred thousand dollar house. Yes. What are your thoughts on Sarah Palin and her outfit last night? Well, she looks okay. I, I listened to it on the radio. I actually listened to your show. God bless you. I was hoping you'd say that. And um, you know, I've, I've seen also I've seen her still shots. Um, you know, she looked okay. I, I think that um, Biden came across on the radio. He came across a little defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but at times he he also came across as if he'd been in Washington for 30 years. Yeah, no, he, um, I mean, for both good and bad, he did seem very, he did seem very much like a Washington insider. And that's not always bad. I mean, sometimes, you know, look, you need somebody who knows, you can't, you can't game the system if you don't know the system, you know, and Richard Nixon said that. you got to learn how the system works because it's this wild animal and all you can really do is hope to sort of point it in the right direction sometimes. Um, And she also, in my opinion, um, Came across as you know maybe somebody in 20 years that that might be able to become a senator or something like that. But to me, she can't came across, and I'm not putting Sam Adams down, but she came across as a city council member. Yeah, no, she's she's a lightweight. I mean, I'll give you that. She's a flyweight at this point. Um, somebody's going to try to convince her to run in 2012. If she does, she will be destroyed. But uh, but she will have a long. I will tell you this: you're going to be seeing Sarah Palin for a long time. Oh, I agree with you. I, yeah. I have one other thing. You know, um, I have a real problem with the fact that everybody makes a big deal about the fact that she's a woman. You know, God forbid that she does end up in the White House, you know, as the vice president. Is she going to go overseas and say, um, you know, hello, foreign leader, please treat me as a woman? That yeah. doesn't cut it. And nobody ever brings up the fact that Condoleezza Rice is a woman and she's black. Yeah. Well, and as I like us actually was making this point. He said, you know, it has nothing to do with has nothing to do with politics, uh, you know, or her gender or her sex. I forget what she is, sex. Uh, because, you know, Condoleezza Rice, whatever you think about her politics, you know, mm-hmm. probably I agree with Condoleezza Rice on very little. But she's, you can tell, she's smart. She's, she's smart you know, she has, to use the tired phrase, gravitas. She knows what she's talking about, just like Hillary Clinton did. Yeah, uh, and nobody ever, not said, so much, nobody ever said when she was named, oh, gee, you know, we better hold her hand. Well, here's the thing. Condoleezza Rice is a woman. Sarah Palin's a girl. <laughs> That's it. All right. There you go. Thank you. All right. What was that, Sarah? It's... Okay, I heard a, a weird rumor. Is that you, did Condoleezza Rice come out of the closet? Is she gay? I haven't heard that. No. Okay, because I had somebody was saying that yesterday. I don't. I mean, just because she doesn't have a man. She I don't know. Someone said that that it, it, it's now a fact. Like she came out. That she I think gay. somebody's trying to make that true by saying it. Okay. Right now, there's a woman who sells aluminum siding for a living, trying to make that the case by just spreading that rumor. I mean, who, maybe she's maybe she didn't. I don't know. I don't think she's ever. I don't think that's ever been, you know, said one way or the other. And I, I know that she doesn't, she doesn't seem to be dating anybody. She's kind of unattached. But then again, you know, she's she's busy. 
Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. I was going to say we need to break to stay All right. time. Well, let me do these two because they're female callers. Then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick and Sarah. Hey, hi, hey. At Gold Stars uh, works for the deceased. All right, okay, so that's what it is. And so she's yeah. wearing, I think, Blue Stars because uh, cause, okay. uh, track is overseas. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, I just wanted to mention, why do you think that um, uh, Clinton was called the first black president? I'm sorry? Why do you think Clinton was called the first black president? Is this a rhetorical question? No, it's because of one of the things that he did was have Janet Reno go out there and tell all the banks. I used to be married to a black man. Many of your friends are black? Huh? Are many of your friends black? Um, I have several white friends who are married to black men, yeah. And I have kids who are half black. So conversation's turning very awkward. All right, go ahead. What did your friend who was... No, 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 okay. So so confused. I don't know who's black and who's white in this conversation. Janet Reno went out and told all the banks that you are going to start giving um, home loans to especially blacks and Mexicans, who cannot afford them. It's called redlining. And if you don't, we are going to take away your license to be a bank. So then they set up Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to buy back all these loans that were bad um, because they were approving these people who could not afford it. I also had a friend in the... Is this something you read in a book by David Brock? No, it's absolutely not. We were hounded left and right to take out loans because my husband was black. So they were just kicking in your window, you must take this loan. No, no, no. Every time we went into the bank, like to get a loan for a car, to get a, um, an so extended they... extension on our, our credit card or anything. So it was your they sense that they were. If we wanted to, if we were in, because we lived in an apartment, did we want to purchase a home? So it, was, it was your sense that, uh, it, in your estimation, it was your sense that they were actively soliciting Absolutely. loans because, because as you understand it, because they felt that they had to meet some they kind of a quota. To. Janet Reno went out and told banks, you have to do this. All right. Look well, into it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. We're just having a bit of fun with you. I'm not disputing it. But I'm saying so this is but it is your it is your opinion that that was uh, that, that was a thing that was done probably uh, across the board because they felt that they had to satisfy some sort of either implicit or explicit requirement. That and also look at um, how many loans are defaulting now who were given to um, illegals who are in this country. Is that true, Tim? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I don't know if we have any actual figures. It wouldn't surprise me, I suppose. You can't I go guess in and no, get no a federal loan. I mean, at this no point, employment verification? No. At this point, nothing would surprise me because this whole economy is... You know what this economy is? This economy is like um, this economy is like uh, the the cord that goes to your little iPod earbud headphones that you leave overnight, just like sitting in a drawer. But then the next morning, somehow it is in like the biggest ball of knots you have ever. It's like it almost has its own intelligence and it tangles itself when you're not looking. And eventually, you just go screw it and you go to Best Buy and you buy another set of headphones for like fifteen dollars. So uh, you have a you've got to be smart when it comes to money. You I do to sit here like Susie Orton. No, be a smart get and get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. And by the way, D. Oh, I wanted to ask her what celebrity she resembled. Damn, she had a great voice. She All did. right. <sighs> okay. What a serious program. Yes. But it's educational at the same time. I can't even begin to list all of the things we've gotten to today. Hey, guess who's in the other room? Santa Claus. No, it. What? No, it's not Santa. Now it's all anticlimactic. It is Santa Claus. Now I gotta go find Santa Claus. It's gonna be a big letdown. Jesus. All right, I'll be back, I guess. And we return the suburban perspective with Scotty J. Don't go anywhere. Leaving so soon. Mm-hmm. 
sneak away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no. I like children. For breakfast? <laughs> Never. I'm a luck dragon. My name is Falcor. And my name is Atreyu. And you're on a quest. How'd you know that? You were unconscious, and you talked in your sleep. Why? Could you get round and scratch behind my right ear? Could never quite reach it. Realized two things. One, that band Atreyu took their name from uh, from Neverending Story, which I didn't realize. Well, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen Neverending Story for years. I really, be, I saw it once, and then now I only ever hear that 30-second clip from you over and over again, and I never put it together in my head that that band Atreyu, which they played a rock fest, uh, that they in fact, um, they are in fact taking their name from that. So, all right, well done. Uh, let's see here, and um, and this is all true. 503-733-2970. What's the second thing? I had two observations. One, Atreyu. Two, no. Except that every time you play that, I, I always want to do the, um, you know... Uh, he, That's what I think of every in time his I mouth. Baby, delicious. Um, yeah, and uh, stuff. You know, I, I can't... I don't have the Pleasantville Suite, which is the, uh, which is the music that was the suburban perspective. It was like the theme that played underneath that. I'm trying to find... I'm going to look one more time what here. It is the suite from. It is the Pleasantville theme song. It's basically it's called the Pleasantville Suite uh, by Randy Newman. I'm going to look one more time, and I'm just going to type this in. Hit enter in a moment. Scotty J. Oh wait, here we go. All right, hold on a second. Let me just uh, make sure this is muted. So we're going to do a couple stories with Tim. Uh, then we'll bring Scotty J. to do the suburban perspective. Uh, we'll spend a few moments with our good friend Jaris Minsky here in a few, and uh, so forth. Later on, Andy, the homeschool kid, does the top five. Aaron Duran. Let's see, Glorious Bastard of the Week, uh, High Concept Friday. We may try to do that. Uh, and uh, whatever. We didn't do our, uh, our Sound Knowledgeable About Something for 60 Seconds contest, which we might actually do today. It's still timely today. If I wait till next week, it's going to be too late. I might try to do that today. So let's do a couple stories here with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time. What? For news. And now, now from the Ministry of Truth, Yoink. this is Tim Riley. America, the cruel. A 90-year-old Akron woman shot herself as sheriff's deputies tried to evict her from her foreclosed home. She's become a symbol of this nation's mortgage crisis. Addie Polk being treated at Akron General Hospital after shooting herself at least twice in the upper body. Apparently, this bill did nothing for Addie Polk's. This bill fails to address the fact that many homeowners are facing foreclosures. They're facing the loss of their home. This bill will take care of Wall Street. Will it take care of Addie Main Polk? Street. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going the other way. I was going the Main Street way. I'm not sure if she lives on Main Street right. or not. I don't okay. have the street address here. Right. But, uh, well, it's... Oh, guess what? Sacagawea is back. A new Sacagawea uh, statue is... How much Jawea? Saka. No. How much Jawea? Sacagawea. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Doesn't it seem like that ought to be funnier than it is? I guess so. I got a whole sack of Jawea here. Ah, oh, never mind. Skip it. Well, it's been replaced. In what? the new sack of Jawea statue, uh, shortly after the original was stolen, it was sold to a scrap metal shop in Bend, leading to four arrests. They recognized sack of Jawea even all the way down there. Marcus Bologna of Gearhart pled guilty of stealing sack of Jawea and destroying her. He spent 50 days in jail. The replacement cost is now $25,000. And apparently there's a new camera on the Sacagawea all the time now, so people are watching you constantly. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's do one more, and uh, then we will uh, welcome a very special guest to the studio, Tim. A bicyclist leads police on a low-speed chase. A bicyclist led a state trooper on a five-mile slow-speed chase on Highway 58 east of Eugene, propped in the cops and set up a roadblock and tackled the bicyclist to make him stop. They responded to a report of a bicyclist wearing dark clothes and riding without lights at 7.20 in the morning. And this happened about 18 miles east of Eugene. The cyclist didn't respond to the police officer's overhead lights and siren. Instead, he weaved back and forth in the road, back and forth, forth and back. Traffic backed up behind the patrol car. The policeman called for assistance. When the bicyclist attempted to ride around the patrol car, the policeman tackled him to make him stop. Under arrest, 39-year-old Rupert James Frank of Eugene. He's charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, failure to obey a police officer. You know what somebody ought to do? Just a final note on that story. Somebody ought to do some sidebar, like a human interest sort of story, where they analyze the number of people who have been arrested for some sort of an offense, you know, and then they contrast how many of them have three names and how many of them have two names. In other words, John Smith or, you know, like John Bobby Smith. Or, you know, Bobby Bobby Sue Franklin or whatever. Because doesn't it seem like everybody who gets picked up for some sort of dirtbag offense, they all got the, you know, the two-syllable first name and then the, you know, the one-syllable middle name. And it's all like Johnny, Johnny Jack Williams, you know, who's arrested for, you know, pimping or something. So, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, oh my. it is oh my that God. time. I'm so excited. It's a sound you thought you'd never hear again. Perhaps you prayed you would never hear it again. Your pray, prayers have fallen on deaf ears. I wish I knew how to quit you. I forgot I read this one. Scotty J. Good morning, Metolius. Scotty J. He looks like he used to. How are you, Scotty J? Doing good. He looks exactly the same. Actually, you haven't changed at all. Doing great, Rick. And Thanks. hello, Portland. Wow, I'm. Scotty. You're freaking me out, man. I'm having like a weird flashback. He looks great. He's like suntanned. And yeah, that's because I've been. What do you, you smell of? I've been working really hard. At hardly working. At hardly working yeah. and playing golf this summer. Good for what you, do you uh, What do you smell of? Uh, I don't even know the name of the stuff. I like that watch. Oh, thank you. Where did you get that huge ring? Have you always wanted that? I, I, I got this about a year ago. I would have had to hock sure. that by now. Uh, well, I'm close. All right. Uh, well, so, Scotty, what's new? What's what? going on? What's shaking? Well, um, I was working for that business where we did computer consulting for a while, did that about 10 months or so, and then decided, you know, I, this really isn't my cup of tea. I got out of it the first time, got into radio, and then decided to try it again and, and didn't really like it, wasn't really panning out. And so for the last month, I've been studying for my real estate license. When is, when is the last time you had the same job for more than 18 months? Uh, Probably about five years ago. Okay. So what have you been doing and in the meantime? Six years. Besides studying, do you have another job? Uh, golf. Doing a lot of golf. You know, America's really on your side, Scotty J. That's exactly what's going to... What? People are going to be in your corner. I'm unemployed, and I have a huge house. I spend my time golfing. Yeah, if you don't spend money, you can't make money. So that's kind of how I look at it. That's not the way America sees it. <laughs> Wait, that is like... 
That's one of those uh, weird Zen Koan things. That's like so fundamentally weird it might actually be brilliant. You can't sp- hold kind on. Of like Scotty himself. Look, if, you're, if nope. everybody was spending, then... you're you're unemployed, but you're still spending money because you need to spend money to make money. That's right. <laughs> wow, man, my hands are huge. I uh, a little Futurama there. I okay, that's weirding me out. All right. Um, so um, in just in just one moment here. Hey, uh, Richie, will you do me a favor? I see Jarris there. Can you check with Jarris if see, see if he can hold uh, a few minutes here? Because we're going to uh, talk to him real briefly about something, but I want to make sure he can kind of hang tight. Well, why don't we just do Jairus really quick, because we're going to spend a little time. Well, we can do time. that. All right, well, never mind then. Richie, forget I spoke. All right. So welcome now to uh, the Ray Emerson Show, good friend uh, Jairus Minsky, Minsky, who we've seen in uh, any number of things, uh, 48-hour film project several times, uh, part of Emerson Starship, obviously uh, has uh, performed at several of our listener parties, does his own stuff with a man named Scooter occasionally, works <laughs> with a whole, whole patchel of artists. Jairus, what's up, brother? How you doing? Not much, brother. How you doing? I am. Uh, I'm standing here next to Scotty J, which really is the rarest of opportunities. So I'm breathing. I'm breathing a very fine kind of air today, Jerris. It's nice to hear his voice too. I haven't heard it in a while. It's kind of soothing in a well, way. He's, he's been off creating a productive life for himself. That takes time. Good uh, for you, Scotty J. <laughs> See, Scotty, the people are in your the people are in your corner. Well, thank you. See, you're I've all tanned. Golf, lots of golf. Seriously, and he's tanned. I've, your hair is perfect. I've lost a lot of balls. Whatever. Uh, a lot of balls uh, I'm not even not even gonna do it. Uh, so, uh, so Jaris, I know you got a uh, you have a thing coming up uh, this Saturday. Am I right? Yeah, tomorrow night actually. Pimp away, my friend. I'm sorry for a last minute, you know, trying to get everybody to go to my cool show, but I'm putting together a really cool show tomorrow night, and it's at this really great place called the Five Star Theater, and it's uh, across the street from Roseland. It's like 13 Northwest Sixth. But it's basically on the corner of Burnside. And, it is a, uh, a cavalcade of musical entertainment and whatnot. Yeah, and also we're going to do all of our little short films that we've made. All of our little, we put a little collection of short films from local filmmakers. And so it's going to be movies and music. And Killer music. And so it's uh, some of the film, like you're involved with that and some of the stuff that our friend Nate Baker has done. And, uh, and then who's going to be, uh, who are the musical performers? Well, Sarah Moon, she just recorded a new album, so she's going to perform all of her original stuff. And then we're also going to have Erotic City, which is a Prince tribute, which is fantastic. And that is the uh, that is the guy who was the keyboard player for Emerson uh, Starship at the last listener party. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And Sarah Moon, by the way, is – now correct me if I'm wrong on this, Sarah Dillon. Is Sarah Moon the girl that you tie up in that video? Yes. All right. So if you've seen the Nicodemus video and it becomes, and it becomes you – uh, Sarah Moon is the hot blonde girl that Sarah Dillon is tying up while they're both dressed in finery. Okay. Yeah, I, true. I'm not making it up. It's more explicit than it is. It's very tasteful. It is tastefully done. Has she since been untied? <laughs> uh, from time to time. What a genius for putting that together. Time to time. Uh, so, yeah. So, Sarah Moon, Erotic City, whole bunch of short films, and... Uh, also, you know, Triple Grip as another band. And then Julian's Ride is like uh, Julian's main gig, his little original gig. So, he'll be doing that to close the show. And they have... Quite a bit of, uh, you know, awesome effects, you know, smoke and all that fun stuff. But the Excellent. place is badass. Pardon all right. me, but... And at what time does everything kick off tomorrow? Uh, 8 o'clock. All right. 8 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, it, the place is called what again? Uh, it's called the Star Theater or Five Star Theater. Oh, I know exactly where that is. I was actually just there the other day. What the hell am I talking about? I was actually yeah, just they got, like, there. Yeah, the fish tank and the scripper Have you seen that, that place, stuff? the Star Theater? This is not a paid... In, I'm not... This is not an endorsement. I'm not, uh, you know, this is not a plug or anything. Have you guys ever been to the Star Theater? It is badass. It is like this kind of little burlesque theater with... Not a stripper hole on the stage, but there's actually like a minute, like another raised stage in the middle of the place. There's a huge, like, fish tank. There's this Romeo and Juliet balcony. It's like the it's- weirdest, coolest... Most mind-bending theater. It looks really, really cool. I was actually just there the other day for something totally different, 
And it's I was really talking, diamond in the rough in Portland. It's, a, it's a great place. It's, I didn't put it together until just now. That really is a great place. So uh, the Star Theater, yeah, it is. Uh, it's right there um, near the Roseland. Uh, you, you ought to go check it out. Uh, everything starts tomorrow, and then it's like five bucks to get in. Whole bunch of short films, whole bunch of great music. So everybody got to go to that. All yeah, right. I appreciate you letting me shamelessly pimp that. Not at all, my friend. All right, Jerris, thank you so much. Great show today. Have a good weekend. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's Jerris. All right, I'll put that on my website as well. Yeah, that Star Theater is, uh, is fantastic. Hello, Scotty J. How's it going? You're listening Rick. to KCMD Portland, by the way. All right, uh, later on in the show, we'll have Aaron Durant. Uh, Andy, the homeschool kid, will be doing his top five teenage moping songs. But it is the moment you've all been waiting for. Scotty J. That doesn't sound like the same music. I couldn't. I didn't have my old one. This is the whole. How, how cold hearted. This is, is the whole thing. I used to delete my sounders. I did. Well, Sarah and I went through. She told me it was okay to do. I told you not to. That's not true. I totally did. I, I wouldn't have deleted to. it if you said not to. <laughs> Tim, do you remember? I told him not to. Please mm, Probably. Ah. All right. Uh, well, in any event, I don't I have. I think it was probably accidentally. Probably. All right. You know, it might be because we uh, they had to wipe my whole computer at one point. So, um, so I this is the suite from Pleasantville. I was actually using the main Pleasantville overture for you. Let me see if I can see if I. This is part of it. All right, Scotty J. Wasn't it some kind of Leave It to Beaver type? It's Pleasantville. Yeah. Thing. Uh, so, Scotty J. The suburban perspective. It's been so long since we've had your view on the world, politics, <laughs> people around you, and the ever unfolding panoply that is American existence. Scotty J. What do you think of Sarah Palin's performance last night? It was fantastic, Rick, and she never looked hotter. <laughs> so terrifying you know that you and I are on the same I page sometimes. I think that she ought to take Tina Fey's spot on Saturday Night Live. You know, suppose it was throwing Joe Biden off that she looked so much like Tina Fey. That might have been a little distracting, You know actually. why I wasn't yeah. looking at her? is because he was probably, you know... Oh, know. you... <laughs> what? He was, he, was, what? he was probably thinking things that he shouldn't be Impure thinking about. Impure thoughts yes. about defiling her? <laughs> well, I was. Uma, not going to lie. But anyways, no, I thought she did a fantastic job. What do you like um, most about Sarah Palin's, uh, you know, what do you, find, what do you find her strength to be? I find her strength to be, yeah, first of all, I, I heard you guys talking a little bit earlier about how she, you know, smiles all the time and, and, and you know, has all this bubbly character to her. A lot of teeth. Her. I think that is a good thing. I mean, it, it gives you a vibe of of newness, and instead of the staunchy old... Staunchy. Please to spell staunchy. S-T-A-U-N-C-H-Y. Please to define staunchy. Uh, S-T-I-N-C-K-Y. What? I don't know. All right, never mind. Go ahead. She's so stinky. I guess. All right, so she doesn't put off a staunchy vibe. <laughs> right, like the old... Uh, oh, I've missed this. The old... Um, Politicians, right? She's bringing the old boys. She's network. bringing the breath of fresh air back to Main Street. Quit making quotes. Her and that young buck, John McCain. <laughs> Seriously, well, touche, Sarah Dillon. I think that she rounds that off. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great team. So you're saying Sarah Palin rounds John McCain? Yeah, he's she's a little bit old. She's a little bit young. <laughs> For an extra bring twenty them together, and, and you know, you bring in some new life. I think. What do you think she is most uh, knowledgeable about? What are her areas of expertise, Sarah Palin? Uh, definitely in the energy field. In what sense? In the sense that she knows what she's talking about when it comes to the oil that is in Alaska, number one, mm-hmm. uh, and that she doesn't want to pay high gas prices any more than anybody else does. So uh, she's looking for ways to, um, you know, what do I want to say here? She's no looking, one knows. <laughs> she's looking for ways to... Uh, 
um, subsidized from getting foreign oil. So I don't know what any of that Scotty, means. But let me ask you this. You know, what newspapers or magazines do you read to get these thoughts about Sarah Palin? All of them, or? A lot of it is just watching uh, Fox. Of course it is. I don't watch it. And, and by the, the way, they channel. had their biggest audience ever last night with yep. 11 million. Yep. Yes, Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of Sarah Palin that everybody is watching. Not, yes. not to look at Joe Biden. So that says one thing about her. What, do you, what do you think about, uh, let me ask you this, what do you think about John McCain? Uh, I mean, I I think he's okay. I mean, that's who we are voting for. Um, I think that, uh, what do you mean, what do I think? That's kind of an interesting question. What thoughts question. are stirring in your head? When I say John McCain, what thoughts do you have? Well, I do truly believe that there will be change. It's not George Bush running again. Just because he's Republican doesn't mean he's George Bush and is going to completely copy everything that he did. Mm-hmm. They want change just as badly as everybody else. Who is they? Uh, the American people. And uh, McCain and Palin both want change. Okay. Uh, Sarah, additional questions? I mean, I I don't want to hog all of Scotty's time here. How do you feel about the housing crisis, Scotty? The housing crisis is uh, kind of a shame, but uh, these people entered into the mortgages and signed the documents that they supposedly read, and if they were too stupid to realize that, hey, um, you know, after two two to five years or three to five years that my payment's going to go up, um, that's pretty much their problem. You believe they are then uh, they still owe held for the accountable house. to the standards they should, that they agreed to they be should, held accountable absolutely. to? Absolutely. Excellent. Good for you, Scott. And, and I do hate the fact, in some sense, that we are having to throw $700 billion, you know, towards Wall Street and towards these lenders to try to revive the economy. Uh, I, I read a, an email that stated... If every, did this email have a lot of forwards in front of it? Yes, it did. Okay. And it stated that basically <laughs> if every person 18 years or older uh-huh. in the United States was given a chunk of that 700 billion we would each get you know and I don't know if these figures are correct but we would each get somewhere around $250,000 a piece which means a married couple would have half a million dollars now, at that point I don't really need I could pay off all my credit cards I don't I don't need a How many credit cards do you have probably about four or five okay let me ask you uh, well let's do this hi you're on the Rick Emerson the uh, radio program hello what's up Rick what do you got Scotty I How's it going? I want to ask Scotty J a question about Sarah Palin. Yes, sir. What makes Sarah Palin qualified to be vice president? What makes Obama qualified to be the president? Can't answer a question with a question. That's disallowed. That's, <laughs> okay. That's like she, she, she was the mayor of Wasilla, right? Okay. She's also the governor of uh, a very Alaska. large state. That's right. Alaska. Hello. And she also has 80% approval from the voters over there. Well, there's only ten of them. <laughs> That'd be like being the mayor of Estacada. Hello. Well, so the deal is, you know, I know you're not supposed to ask a que- answer a question with yeah. a question, but truly, if you're comparing Obama and you're comparing uh, Palin, um, what makes him any more qualified? Well, let's see. Oh, he please was- don't be pwned by Scotty J. You'll never be able to perform as a man again. <laughs> Nah, I'm not being owned by Scotty J. Anyway, Obama has more. Um, let's see. He has he has more ums in his uh, <laughs> in his speeches. Yes, that is correct. That's true. And she has more. Uh, I want to be the beer uh, 
lady. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Thank you. Thanks so much. That didn't work out well for him. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, I want uh, Scotty to arm wrestle Richie. And thing is, how he sounds like he needs a job. If he beats him, he gets his old job back. <laughs> <laughs> we have you wrestle a bear, Scotty. All right, thank you. All right, uh, Sarah, anything for Scotty? Oh. Oh, let's let's talk about real estate a little bit here. Just Can for we? two seconds. We uh, have the, an old day. Leave the room and you and you, Tim can talk about it. You're probably aware of this because I heard you talking a little bit about, yeah. you know, where should I go, Lake Oswego or whatever. This is the best time ever to buy a home. Is you that true? You don't want to buy a home when, you know, like in 2006 when I, or whatever, when I was trying to sell my home when prices were going way up, 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 and I doubled, you know, what I paid for the house. That's not the time to buy. The time to buy is now when people like me are, like, putting it on sale. Are you still in your new big house? Still in the new big house. Um, now, is it true that your wife... And your brother are in business together? That's correct. And That's going to end badly join, for you. I'm going to join oh, that dude, team. So. Oh, dude. Oh, That is going to end family so badly. <laughs> that is going to end. It's going to be like... Did you, how long did you write out the other job? Like what, Ten months. What eventually happened with that? What happened is... Uh, Were you working in a garage? No. We actually had a pretty cool office. Did you have to print your own business cards? Yes. In <laughs> <laughs> crayon. Yeah. Excellent. All right. But uh, basically, uh, just... It, it, the partnership wasn't going where I expected it would go. Were you he didn't expecting make you vice president? Were you expecting it to go to some place that was financially solvent? Uh, yeah. I was actually. expecting this to go to a paycheck at some point, and it just didn't come together. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. So is, the, right. is this um, said person? Are they still in business, or did the business oh absolutely, go and yeah, we're still friends and all that good stuff. It just wasn't for me, and I see an opportunity in real estate right now like no other. It's I know it sounds hard to believe with all this mortgage crisis. I believe you, Scotty. But if you can get a mortgage right now, this is this is it. This is the time that you wait your entire life for to get a to, to get a home on sale, sale price. So like how does one 50% go Fifty percent off at Macy's type of thing. How how does one go for their real estate license? Well, you have to go to this school called Pro Schools, and you have to take seven Pro schools, <laughs> seven different courses. I'm you a have, graduate of Pro School. You have to draw a picture of something. Uh, no, actually, everything's all online now. You answer a bunch of questions and you read a lot. It's 150 hours worth of studying, uh -huh. which I absolutely hate. And you go through these seven different courses and you get certificates in each area, like law. And Are you going to frame them and hang them? Well, uh, I thought about it. All right. Hi, you're on the uh, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, you're here with Scotty J. Yes, yes. Uh, what makes Obama qualified is uh, he finished first in his class at Harvard Law, where he studied constitutional law. He taught constitutional law for 12 years, was a state senator for eight years, a United States senator for four years. I think that makes him more qualified than the governor of Alaska. Okay. <laughs> Good response, Scotty. She, she was mayor of a town that was like, what, 10,000 people and then 9, 000, stayed in Alaska yeah. for, what, two whole years? Well, what you got to look at right now is... I mean, uh... he versus, <laughs> yeah, he's more infinitely more qualified. I mean, he studied the Constitution for mm -hmm. almost, probably half his life. Right, I'm studying real estate, too. I've been doing that for about a month now. Yes, which makes you qualified to sell real estate. <laughs> All right, well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you. What makes him qualified to run the country. All right, good. Thank you, my friend. All right, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show with Scotty J. Yeah, I think we need to get a debate between Scotty and Richie. I can't even imagine uh, what no, they would debate. I don't Seriously. know if he uh, shares my beliefs or not. Well, I, that's I don't the, know. Yeah, that's the... Just to see who's more qualified. You two are a lot alike. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Scotty, have you, have you considered uh, dressing up your wife to spice, as uh, Sarah Palin to spice up the nightlife? That's a great idea. Don't ever say that again. 
Good call, so, so I appreciate that. with your lady? Going great. Fantastic. We just went to Chicago to a real estate seminar, and it's a, it was Did a fire. Did you get some free nights in Vegas because of that? No. All right, no. Did you give anyone any of our phone numbers? No, but I did talk about the Rick Emerson show, and and then I was talking with my wife a little bit about, gosh, you know, it's been... Did she say that she misses us and that she wishes you would spend more time with all of us? She did, actually. Especially Sarah. Did she want to have me over for dinner? Yes. (laughs) I told her, hey, you know, it's it's almost... (laughs) Yeah. I told her it's almost been a year since uh, I walked into the studio, and then I got the the message from you, and I'm like, wow, this is... Kind of a coincidence. Text messaging you a little bit more than I used to. Yeah, yeah texting. Yeah, you should do that. Do that late at night. <laughs> call his phone late at night too, uh, and then uh, but don't ever leave a message. Just call three or four times in a row. Uh, and then if and then when Tish calls you back, just hang up. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson show. Hello. Hey, I love Scotty J, but I kind of like to correct his math just a touch. No. Yeah, it's maybe not a quarter million dollars a person, uh, about $5,000 per person. Yeah, see, I knew I was off a little bit, but something, something's better than nothing. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you, sir. Hey, Scotty, Scotty J? Yes. <laughs> Good. I'll do one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show with Scotty J. Hello. You guys yeah, Scotty, Scotty, uh, when you're answering a question, don't evade the, the question. Answer it honestly. I'm just, I'm just acting like Obama, that's all. No, Obama answers long-winded answers. He doesn't evade questions. He just says his talking points over and over. Okay. The easy answer is, okay, she does have a lot of experience. That's what Washington needs, is someone who's new and different. Go Sarah Palin. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, how I do I answer that? I want to say, you've got, I mean, don't be ignorant about it. Don't compare it. Don't evade the question. You sound like every other talking head. Yeah, Scotty. Okay. I will do my best to be different. Well, okay. You always are. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right, Scotty J. So uh, when is it you expect to begin your flourishing career as a realtor? I am hoping to take the test next week. Um, I just, I don't feel, calm, even though I've passed all the courses now and I have certificates the, the, for these courses. The state test is the hardest. Yeah. You're going to fail at least two or three times. <laughs> Well, I hope not. <laughs> you have to pay to take the test? That's, yes, every, every time. time. Yes. 75 bucks. Yeah. Well, the oh, first time around is 250 and then every time that you flunk and want to go back at 75 right. thereafter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know if I'm ever going to be ready. Every single day I go, I think I'm ready, I don't, uh, and then I don't think I'm ready. And so... You know, the state put, puts out a book with the questions with the answers. You um, have that one? You can no longer oh, uh, I get that. that. <laughs> oh, like me, a man who's they, tried. They stopped, they stopped selling it in 2007, well, that's and they bad. told me it's it. gold. It is. We're going yeah, to we're have to hook up. I need that. All right. So uh, now, if, if I may ask this question. So now you are spending your time golfing. Uh, so is now so is your wife, is she just bringing a lot of money then? She must be. She's the caddy. Well, I mean, she must be really making a lot to sort of, because you got like multiple cars and kids. And, and homes. Homes. Yeah, well, we had some savings that uh, pretty much almost torched. And uh, uh, above and beyond that, uh, the real estate market is still moving. She is still selling houses. Um, enough for me to want to jump in and, and start doing this as well. So, um, you know, we, we four, don't, four we, words for you, Scotty. Penalty for early withdrawal. True. They tell you that uh, you're supposed to have at least six months savings in the bank or whatever. We're probably living off of maybe two or three. So you'll make it. You know, got to get out there and work. But uh, that's what America is about. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed you guys were talking about uh, Sarah Palin and her being a millionaire. Yes. And it, First of all, is is there a problem with that? 
No. No. But she should be more American. She shouldn't position herself as having to struggle when she's but, not. But she did at one time. She was relating a story as to how she struggled. Number number two, even with all the money in the world, her child has special needs, so I'm sure she struggles with that as well. Well, that is true, Scotty. I don't know. It's but, just but that she had the opportunity not to have that part happen. There yes. was a, there was a time when she was not rich, and so she can really, you know, talk to the heartland of America. And where is the heartland? I'd say that's probably like uh, Midwest. All right. And let me ask you, here's one final question I have. Scotty, and, and I really don't have an answer to this. I really am curious. <laughs> Please now to explain, who is Joe Sixpack? I, don't I know. mean, when she says that, well, who's she talking about? I don't know. I, maybe... I mean, you so, I, and again, I, I don't really know, but you support Sarah Palin. She I, talks a lot about how I'm talking for Joe Sixpack. Well, who is that? I, I really don't know. Maybe she thinks of him as all cocky or something like that, so she calls him Joe Sixpack. But I don't I don't know what it means. What I really is, don't. What is that? Okay. But, I mean, so you have no idea who she's speaking for? No, I don't, unfortunately. All right. So I thought you, of all people, would be able to answer ta- I thought you she think was talking about... Are, that's a good question. Are you Joe Sixpack? <laughs> no. So why not? In other words, why wouldn't you call yourself Joe Sixpack? Because uh, I need to work out. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Scotty J. All right. Scotty J, thanks so much. Well, well thanks for having don't me, Don't be a guys. stranger. Come back sometime. We'll see you sir. next Won't year. You please? Good to see all of you. All right. Ladies Thank and gentlemen, you. Scotty J. Scotty J. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Right, what we'll do, we'll bring uh, Aaron in here for a few. Uh, then we'll break. We'll come back with Andy, the homeschool kid, and uh, so forth. Okay. All right. Wow. Just like riding a bike. Right back, right back into our fantastic uh, patterns with that guy. Boy, I've missed Scotty J. And I you're right, he, he has not changed. He looks exactly the same. Yes. I don't think he ages. He doesn't. He's got some weird David Bowie thing going on. He's just, he looks, I was going to say we'd take a picture of him, but I mean, just use a picture from two years ago. He looks exactly the same. Yes. Scotty J is something, he's like, he's Teflon, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to knock Scotty, but I mean, he has a bit of a pricey home. I think more than one. Uh, a Cadillac, at least two other cars. Two kids? Three kids? Two. Two kids. Two kids. He's out of a job, and yet, like, magically just sort of is like, has this, you know, he's wearing like a, a watch like the size a of, yeah, the size of my car, and he's spending all day golfing. That guy is just, he is like Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now. He where, is the um, American dream. He really is. And there's that great scene in Apocalypse Now where um, Sheen is doing the voiceover, and Robert Duvall is walking along the beach, and there's shelling happening, and the shells are exploding all around him, but he's just walking Straight, you know, standing up straight without fear, and the shells are exploding all around him and not hitting him. And Sheen says, he was one of those guys with a golden glow, and you just knew he was going to get through this whole thing without a scratch. And, I mean, that's Scotty. He really is. He's mm-hmm. he's the Teflon man. All right. Jesus. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. Aaron, if you want to uh, join us here in the studio, and then here in a few, uh, we'll take a break and come back with Andy, the homeschool kid. Let's now welcome... All right. Jesus. Resplendent in his uh, Beam Me Up Scotty shirt, Aaron Geek in the City Brand. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I, should, I wear this just for Sarah every other Friday. Excellent. Did you I say hello like to Scotty? Shirt. Yes, I did. Yeah. Did you give him a hug? Sure. <laughs> Men don't hug, Sarah. Not with Scotty. No. All right. You know, did I should have him. I should have played some of those vanilla ice sounders to bring him on. Um, I should play some of them later, actually. Hold on. Note to self. Vanilla ice sounders. All right. Hello, Aaron Duran. Hello. All right, how are you? I am fantastic. All right, thoughts on Sarah Palin last night? Well, I only listened to it okay. on the uh, AM 970 live stream. God bless you. Thank you. So I didn't, I didn't watch the debate, 
And uh, you're right. From um, just an auditory sense, just Biden just just danced all over her because. Right. It's, if you think she's frustrating to watch when she non-answers, it's right. even worse when you're just listening. Well, you know, and that actually makes sense because we were talking about something the other day where we had a transcript of one of her Katie Couric answers. And reading the trans, I think it was the one where she was talking about, um, uh, she was talking about the economy. And it was an answer about the economy that was round around nothing. It was a whole lot of blather, 60 seconds yeah. of blather. And if you read the transcript, she looked like a blithering idiot. If you watched her, it was bad, but not nearly as bad. And so it's probably the same thing. She's terrible in print, bad when you listen to her, good when you watch her. Yeah. It's like, it, so she doesn't work at all in one medium. She kind of works in another, and she works really well in television. Well, did you ever read the interview about the guy she debated in Alaska? Oh, for she the, shredded that guy. Did you ever see it? And he even admitted, he's like, I don't, I don't understand. And that, she even asked him, she's like, you know, because they sat down. She's yeah. like, you came to the debate with notes and paper, yeah. and you were writing down, and... I just talked. That was the other thing, man. I saw before this whole thing happened a couple of days ago. I saw some footage of her debating the gubernatorial, you know, the, the, the gubernatorial debate, you know, running for governor in Alaska. She was running against a guy, an incumbent, who it was a very skilled debater, and of course, you know, she's brainless. And I was watching this footage, and this is her like, however many like five years ago, six years yeah. ago, and she just pummeled that guy. I mean, said nothing though. Still, no. And the guy was like flustered and looking at his notes, and she was just like, "Well, you know, I gotta look. I gotta say, I look at you, and I just don't see you getting a lot done. What do you have to say about that, Mister Man?" And he was just like, "I," and just, I, and he, he, she just, she has this thing where she can just, I think, like neuter you verbally. Yeah. She has this emasculating thing because she is. I think she was, she was trying to do that same thing to Joe Biden. Like yeah, that. because she's because it's like she knows she's she must know on some level she's kind of attractive, and she must have honed. Plus, she's, can we just say it? She's, she's like mean. a Sith with boobs. She, you don't need to know the facts. Well, and she's mean. Can she we is, just say she's that? She's mean. She's probably yeah. in a loveless marriage. She yes. just looks just completely like a miserable yeah. see you next Tuesday, you know? And I totally. would never, ever want to like sit and have a conversation with her. No, I think she probably is. Uh, I think the uh, the job is her is her lover. That would be my guess, mm. is the gig is what she's in love with. Or the the fame that comes with the gig. Or the guy that sells snowmobiles. Yeah. That's right. Come on, Sarah. you got to know that she would be a hoot after about six Cosmos. No, because you'd have her on the table. She, woo! It'd be like that chick from Roadhouse. No, I'd, she'd be one of those like drunken idiot ladies, like sloshing her Cosmo all over her. Totally. And, and getting it progressively more screechy. Uh, with her like shoving her face into the camera frame with her girlfriends. <laughs> uh, so, but I think of the four of them: Obama, McCain, Biden, and Palin. She's just the most aggressive. That's the thing. She's the most nakedly aggressive of the four of them. And that's why you know Obama and uh, McCain were you know were pretty civil. Not a whole lot of sparking there. Yeah. You know, they're pretty, uh, you know, the bomb is very smooth and, uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, McCain is knowledgeable but dull. Last night, Biden, I think, knowledgeable but to me seemed a little low energy compared to her because she is so aggressive. I yeah. mean, it's like she was just taking it to him, like, over and over and over. And, you know, they say he showed restraint last night. So maybe what I thought was low energy is really restraint from Joe Biden because it seems like he was really very just modulated in tone, but maybe he was just having to fight down the urge to just, like, smack her oh, verbally. Oh, you know he did, because he wanted to uncork. Because you saw in the primaries, he was, man, primaries, he would really punch people. He would really throw elbows in yeah. those primary debates. So maybe that was what I thought was low energy, was him just having to, like, be, okay, oh, keep yeah. it together, Watching keep it together. Restraint. It must be so frustrating, because when you know someone's making no sense, and they're just, right. like, stupidly babbling at you, but you can't say anything, or else you're going to look like the mean person. That must just be infuriating. You know he went backstage afterward, grabbed a bottle of scotch, mother whore, son of yeah. Totally. No, I just downed it. I can see that. Yeah. All right. Speaking of idiocracy, let's talk about Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Aaron stupid. Durant. Did you see it? 
Um, I've seen enough of it to realize that you don't need to see the whole thing. How's that? I was in the theater uh, watching. Uh, Lauren and I went to see. Um, I don't remember what the hell it was. We went to see some movie. And the trailer for Beverly Hills uh, Chihuahua being played. And it's, it comes on. And, of course, Lara's going, actually, to Machu Picchu next month. Oh, okay. And she's going to Peru. Okay. And when you watch the, the Beverly Hills Chihuahua trailer, you know, they do that thing where they sucker you in by making you think it's a serious movie for 60 seconds. Like, you know, their, their ruins are legendary. Yeah. Their civilization predates the dawn of humanity. And it's all these great shots of Machu Picchu. Which they is invented the zero. Totally. Yeah. And, and Lars like, hey, that's, that's Machu Picchu. I'm totally going there. This is a movie about the Incans, maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna, totally going to be there. And then you see the, the Chihuahua come up and go, hello, senor. And like he starts to dance at large. Oh, like, and look at her mouth was just like hanging open. And she just went, oh, God, what is this? Before Laura goes, you should ever see The Ruins. Has she seen it? <gasps> what is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, cool. it's, it's, is it a horror movie? It's a messed up horror movie. Is it about movie. Peru? Is it about Machu Picchu? It takes place in the Yucatan. All right. Uh, so the offshoots of the uh, the Incans, yeah. All right. Excellent. But it's, it does take part uh, on top of a, a ruin. Does yeah. it take place near Lake Titicaca? No, but she's remember going that, there, by the way. Do you remember that Animaniacs episode where they just sang the Lake Titicaca song? No. It was genius. Uh, all right, so it's crap and nobody needs it's to It's crap. See. It's once again... Chris Paddock is going to be seeing one, it, by the way. He already told me that. Once again, Cheech Marin being forced to play a chihuahua. Of course. The most painful part... Drew Barrymore part. in that or something? Yeah, Drew yeah, Barrymore's in it. He's in it. It's Lady in the Tramp, but with CGI chihuahuas. It's the same story. It is. It's the really? exact same story. I thought it was going to be more like Born in East L.A. Is it about their fantastic Cheech Marin vehicle? <laughs> is it about, is it about um, uh, a chihuahua from the ruling class dating a chihuahua from the like the commoner caste? See, because she's forgotten in the border town. God. No, that's what happens. I don't she doubt it. forgotten in the border town. and I don't, I've been to some Mexican border towns. They don't look like that. And yeah. You don't leave a little white girl there. All right. Well, that's... Sadly, it also has, it has Admiral Adama in it. No. Just slumming it. Did they just put out a thing like, look, we need every Latin actor? Yep, George Lopez, <laughs> Cheech Marin, Edward James Olmos. I look for Guzman. He's probably in there somewhere. Yeah, but probably. Oh, it's yeah. a cue! See? All right. I could just see, like, the casting call. Attention, all brown people! Seriously. Come right. to Disney and say something in an accent. Aaron's brown. He can say that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, and uh, this is all true. Okay. Oh, my God. What was that, dude? I went to stretch my leg, and I... I didn't what did know you kick? The chair. The chair. Studio, the studio's oh, full of stuff. broke. All right. Uh, what is up at FilmFeverRadio.com? Uh, the new episode is up right now at FilmFeverRadio.com, <clears throat> episode 119, and this is the week we are launching the first in a series of October uh, childhood horror movie memories. We're interviewing local, uh, you know, celebrities, personalities, people we've talked about. Excellent. Are we doing that today? Yeah. Okay. If you still can. Yeah, yeah I totally can. I totally forgot, though. Uh, fantastic. Um, so we opened it uh, with our PA, who we always talk about and joke about. Right. So we finally gave her a chance to say her piece, and K2 is Carl Click. Uh, really? Yep. Talking about the first well, film you played him. Yeah. Hey, by the way, two things. Um, Sarah, should we do the top five here a break? Okay. And also, Richie, this is a good time then to say I'm looking in my folder and only two of the songs are there. So we're doing that. It's that thing again where I think the, the others didn't convert as waves. So you and might want to look into that. It doesn't matter because Andy brought uh, cinnamon rolls. Really? Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, Richie, if you can double check Andy's top five, I'm only seeing two of the two of the six cuts. Uh, so then, before we break, we should say congratulations to you, Sarah. Did you see uh, the honor that Aaron got? No. Come on. Uh, in this month's Portland Monthly Magazine, I was named one of the, I think it's the ten people they would most want to sit down and have a drink with. <gasps> that is awesome. Ooh, thank now, you. Don't congratulations, take, Aaron. Really, and it was sincerely, congratulations. I'm not good at taking this kind of stuff. I'm and, bad at it. And don't take this the wrong way, but how did that happen? I don't know. I got a <laughs> phone call like three weeks ago saying, hey, are you so-and-so and you do this and this and this? Yeah. So you run Geek in the City at Reading 42nd? Yeah. Do you spell your name A-R-O-N-D-U-R-A-N? Yeah. 
Okay, thanks. And then you were just suddenly appeared. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you are one of the uh, ideal party guests or perfect party guests or yeah, whatever Portland pretty, Monthly. It was pretty cool. I, didn't have, I had no idea. Jen called me up. She said, hey, did you look at the Portland Monthly this week or this oh month? Oh, my God. Aaron? Yeah, it was, it was very cool. Thank Things you. are happening. Yes, they are. All right. It's about time. It's your time <laughs> down here, Aaron. That's right. All right. I like it down here, though. Let's take a break. We come back after this. We will come back with Andy, the homeschool kid, and his top five teenage moping songs. More from Tim Riley, Aaron Duran, your phone calls, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In a few moments, we'll uh, welcome Andy, the homeschool kid. By the way, I have, you know I have in my hand? He brought us warm homemade cinnamon rolls. Oh, my God. Right here. Hold on, I'm going to open them. Oh, I'm like eating a whole one of these. Of goodness. All right. Okay, well, uh, trust me when I say I will eat one. I can't do it at this moment, but I will be eating one. So there you go. Okay. It's Friday. I can eat whatever I want. Everybody eats on a Friday. All right, it's 503-733-2970. In just a moment, we go back to the Ministry of Truth with Tim Riley. Uh, headlines, then we'll do uh, Andy the Homeschool Kids Top 5. Uh, Court from Rock 101, KUFO, hello. Hello, how you doing? Midnight movie. Yes, uh, tonight at the Baghdad Theater uh, at 11 o'clock, we're going to be showing Ghostbusters. For the first time uh, since ever. 24 years. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think that I have, this is one of those movies that you do not see in second-run theaters all that right. often, for, for whatever reason, because it's an amazing movie, one of the best comedies ever. Uh, and uh, so we're going to be showing that uh, tonight at the Baghdad Theater, and it's uh, a mere three dollars to get in. No special little dress like a Ghostbuster or anything like that. Right. You get it for free. But uh, however, if you do show up with a proton pack, I would imagine we'll probably sneak you in. At some, <laughs> yeah, some way. Excellent. So yeah. So All right. Tonight. Uh, that is tonight. Baghdad, uh, eleven o'clock, yes. and then you guys broadcasting live. Yep. Aaron, you're doing a thing there as well. I will be there. I'll be reviewing exclusive comic. All right. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Ghostbusters yep. tonight. Be there. Be there. Please be there. Do. Thank you, Court. Thank All you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. These reportedly sealed from the cemetery. This is the Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery. It's been target for vandals for years. The problem is increasing, and the thieves are getting bold. The most recent vandalism occurred last week and was on the roof of a mausoleum. Apparently, they removed all the copper flashing. The cemetery has security guards working through the night for the... Apparently, it didn't stop the thieves as they made off with hundreds of feet of copper. In addition to copper, these copper uh, thieves have stolen bronze vases left at grave sites. More than 30 have been stolen this year. It's hard to read news when I can smell cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Would you like a cinnamon roll? Oh, they're vegan. Oh, oh. They're okay. vegan. You should oh have one. Oh, my God. Yes, have some. Oh, my gosh. Those are... Save Ghostbusters. Bastards? Well, never mind. Whatever. Uh, yeah, you should totally have one of those. Right there, Tim. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Eat you know one. you want Eat it. one. Do it. It'll make you look grown up. I'll think about it. All the kids are doing it, Tim. They're so big and gooey. <laughs> have, just have a, little, have a little bite. I can't fall into Oh, my you. God. Just have a wafer thin bite. Imagine. It's just a wafer thin bite of cinnamon roll, Tim Riley. It's wafer thin. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Just one bite. Uh, I, no, I resist the temptation. I may have one later. All right. Because you don't want to do that thing of gaining those three pounds that happens every winter, right? 
That is true. That's okay. coming up very shortly. All right. As a matter of fact, because okay. this is the first really rainy weekend we've had in quite some time. A storm system is moving through the region. Have you heard that? No. I was just checking the Doppler radar, and it's green everywhere. All the way to Seaside, all the way through the Portland metro area, all the way to Salem, why, even all the way down the I-84 to the Dalles. All right, then. So should we be cautious, running for our lives, indifferent? What is my reaction? Tell me what to think, Tim. I would think it's 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 just going to be wet. Okay, so light something on fire and knock it over. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what you do. Done and done. Because this cloud layer is lowering and thickening as we speak. I don't know what, what that means. What does that mean? mean? What does it mean? It's weather speak. All right. The main front and associated low, not to be confused with a low that rap singer, will approach the coast as we head uh, toward the late afternoon. Winds began to uh, switch around to the south now, and a high wind warning is in effect for the central Oregon coast until seven. Well, okay. So You've got to eat some of this. You have to have a cinnamon roll, Tim. I might have one. Come on, just, have just a little bit. Just, yeah. just, just like a little piece. Just kind of a little, little tiny edge. Just a corner. Not everyone has the discipline that Tim Riley has. That's true. I have the discipline, Tim Riley, because I want one more person to try one before I feel like I can eat. You know, it's that thing of like, you know, we have the thing on the show that if two of us do something, then it's true. You know, if we have a majority rule, so I feel like one other person needs to have. I don't have a knife to cut it. I'll try one. All right, Tim, I'll try if you If I have a part of the cinnamon roll, will you have it at the same time? Yes, but I have to cut just a small slice. Who has a knife? Uh, Sarah, do we have something with which we can cut uh, utensils, nope. anything? They took them all away. There's a we can't be trusted. All right. There's a prosthetic hand over here if you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. All right, well, let's bring in uh, Richie. Can we welcome now to the Rick Emerson Studios uh, Andy, the homeschool kid? Uh, that would be ever so fantastic. And then, Richie, I hate to be this. Will you bring me some, bring me some cutlery? Uh, there aren't any knives to be found. Uh, you know, I don't have to use my hands like a savage. All right. Hello, Andy. Hey, Step Andy. over to this microphone over here. All right. Uh, and then uh, you probably want to take those headphones, and you want to plug those in down there. Uh, and uh, we'll adjust the volume. We want to adjust It's a paper towel. All right. Oh, those are yours. I'm sorry. Okay, so. All right, and then you've got a volume knob right next to the plug there, Andy. All right, so uh, I'm going to keep speaking here so you can adjust the uh, volume until it is at a pleasing level for you. All right. So get right up on the microphone there. there All right. Go. Hello, Andy. How are you today? Good. Very good. Thank you for coming by. All right. What celebrity do you, uh, do you believe you most closely resemble, Andy? Uh, I have no idea, so I'm just going to say George Clooney and hope you believe it. <laughs> okay, there, there you go. go. How old are you, Andy? 16? 17. 17. All right. Uh, so here's a dumb question. Have you been uh, homeschooled, like, forever? Did they switch over to that, like, at fifth grade? or? Uh, I tried sixth grade and decided that if that was the first grade of middle school, I didn't want to go through the rest. Uh, you just uh, you found it not to your liking. Yes. All right. Uh, now here's another question. I apologize if this makes you feel awkward. Now if you're a homeschool kid. Like where do you? I was going to say where do you, where do you make friends? But uh, so where does one meet girls if one is a homeschool kid? Are they like homeschool? Uh, what am I looking for? Are they like homeschool like mixers or like gatherings where homeschool kids kind of get together? There's dances and various gatherings and such. Okay. And uh, so are there a lot of homeschool girls or is it typically boys? I'd say that there's a lot. Actually, most of, more of my friends are girls than boys. Really? And m- almost all of my friends are homeschooled. So. Okay. Yeah. And uh, all right. So there, there you go. So you go on like dates? I, I mean, decided. In theory. <laughs> In theory, yes. In practice, I've decided that I'm just going to give up for now. <laughs> that's a spirit. That's what I did in high school. Well, okay. Well, who can disagree? No, that's what I'm doing now. You know, it turned out well for us. Yeah, I, eventually. Know, we sort of put it together. Look, I mean, Aaron and I both suckered women into marrying us, so there mm-hmm. is hope for you, sir. I tricked one into making clothes for me. <laughs> <laughs> and mine cleans. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's 503-733. How's the cinnamon roll, Tim Riley? It's very good. <laughs> uh, and did you make these or your mom make these? I made these. Oh, I'm really? I'm actually going... 
going to attempt to be a baker for a living. Really? Good for Good you. Good for you. That's it. You know, people always got to eat. So, yeah. all right. Very good, Andy. Are Thank you wearing tie-dye? Yes, it's a black tie-dye shirt. Um, Maybe that's his homeschool uniform. Are you a, uh, I was going to ask if you're a Grateful Dead fan, but that can't possibly be true. No. All right, okay. I would, yeah, you were the furthest thing from a Grateful Dead fan. All right. Um, so we'll do your top five. These are your top five teenage moping songs. Now, did you? Did I read this email right? Did you clarify that, um, that you don't mope as much as you used to? I do not mope as much. Uh, what is the reason for less moping? It's hard to mope over not getting the girl when you are, in fact, not trying to get the girl. I see. So have this so this goes Is with there you. a girl in mind? Is there a girl that you've had a crush on? Uh, yes, but she's probably listening, so I will not say her name. Hello there. Um, Hi, you. All right. So this goes kind of with the giving up. Yeah. All right, yeah. okay. Uh, I still have other things to mope about, though, so I still occasionally mope. They're not just not as lovely. It's just not, it's not female-based moping. Yes. All right. Well, we should do this top five, and then if we have time on the other side, so we go one more break, right? Yeah. So we'll do the top five break. If we have time on the other side, we might do a quick high concept, things Andy needs to know about being a young man. I have an email to print out for him from really? Tony in Seattle. It is yeah. about, like, things things that teenage boys a need really to know? good list. Yeah, it's, all right. it's hilarious uh, and very true. All right. So let's do this. This is uh, Andy the Homeschool Kid's top five teenage moping songs. Two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Andy, the homeschool kid, maker of fantastic cinnamon rolls, uh, brings fantastic. us his top five teenage moping songs. Tim Riley, take it away. Honorable mention, one more minute. Weird Al Yankovic. Of course. Uh, let's see. This, uh... There we go. I love this song. This song is fantastic. Now, is this about a specific girl? This is just overall, uh, I want to laugh about this, so I'm going to listen to Weird Al, because he makes me laugh. Because he's taking your pain away through comedy. Yes. Actually, laughter is the best medicine, Andy. Sure is. I love this song. We played this, didn't you play this, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I think I did the top five uh, Weird Al originals. Yeah. Yeah. This might have been number one. This is a great song. Everybody loves this song. Everyone. This is actually my dad was the one who got me to listen to this one because it's his favorite Weird Al song. All right, then. What is your personal favorite Weird Al song? Um, it's tough. It's, right now, it's a tie between Hardware Store and Canadian Idiot. Okay, then. No offense, Ooh. Canadian. No, of course not. You can defend them. It's all right. What are they going to do? They're godless. You could have an army. Yeah, our old army. All right, Andy the Homeschool Kid presents his top five teenage moping songs. Tim Riley? Number five, Persona, Blue Man Group. You mope to the Blue Man Group? This particular song is very mopey. I, it would have been it would have been higher up on the list, but I only got it a couple weeks ago, so I felt like it would be kind of deceitful to make it my number two or one. And you want to be forthright about these things? Yes. Okay, I have to say, I would never have guessed that this is the Blue Man Group. This It's the weird swishing at the beginning that gives it away, because any time that it involves weird percussion, it's probably Blue Man Group. 
This is sort of like a, I would have guessed this is like a filter type band or something. Or it was this song was I believe unveiled for their How to Be a Rock Star tour. Have you seen the Blue Man Group live? Yes, last uh, or last, this past January. Was it uh, was it exceptional? It was very very good. Have you uh, Andy the homeschool kid pondered being a member of the Blue Man Group? Uh, for about five seconds, and then I realized I really don't like having that much makeup on. Okay, well. That is a that's a fair reason, I suppose. All right, Andy, the homeschool kid, counting down his top five moping songs. Tim, number four, Mephistopoles returns from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Meph- Andy, you want to clarify that? Mephistopheles. All right. Oh yeah. Mephistopheles. By the. Uh, My favorite. By the Trans-Siberian. You know, we just talked to Al Petrelli from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra two days ago. Yeah. I uh, very much appreciate that. Is this actually about Mephistopheles? Uh. The whole thing from the, it's from Beethoven's Last Night, and I believe this is, the idea behind this song is that Mephistopheles has come to taunt Beethoven during his last hours. You moped away different things than most people, Andy, this has to be said. By the way, this guy who's singing lead also sings lead for the band Sabotage, which is sort of a rock spin-off. Actually, Trans-Siberian Orchestra is a, rock, is a Christmas spin-off or, uh, you know, side project for Sabotage. So if you like these guys, you should listen to Sabotage. So I'm told by several people. Yeah, they're basically the same lineup. This one was one of my, I'm mad at the world, I'm going to go draw something destructive and evil. And do you, in fact, do that? Yes. All right, then. I can see this. I like this. I can totally see this. Skulking around your room in a cape? Yeah. Not necessarily a cape. I would sit on my bottom bunk because up until recently I had a bunk bed because I just didn't get rid of the top bunk. So I would... Do you have a sibling? No. I was, Why do you have a bunk when bed? When I was 10, I was obsessed with having a bunk bed just so I could sleep on the top bunk. So my parents got me one for my birthday. Don't mock him. I did the same thing. No, that was nice of them. No, no, no. I, uh, even after my brother... You know, I got my own room. I demanded to keep the bunk bed so I could sleep oh. on the top. No, I did exactly the same thing, actually. Well, I, it worked because I had this little dark cave on the bomb bunk that I could retreat into. <laughs> you are the best person who's ever lived, Andy. Thank you. Counting down Andy the Homeschool Kid's top five teenage moping songs. Tim? Number three is Misery from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Double shot There's from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I very much like their music. I wish it wasn't all Christmas. I could listen to it. Oh, there's no limit. I watch Elf all the time. You know, every day can be Christmas, Andy. It's all about your outlook. Mm. This one's kind of creepy. I know I'm not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know who feels compelled to say they're not serial killers, Andy? Uh, serial killers? Yes. Do you like animals? Yes. I have two. They cooperate, which is a shock. Okay. Or he bleeds them. Don't say that. That's a terrible oh. All right, cut it out. Andy, the homeschool kid's top five teenage moping songs. Bless you, sir. Number two, Tim. Number two, I've done everything for you from Rick Springfield. All right, this is a bit of a departure. These ones I actually don't listen to as much anymore. They were on my MP3 player about three years ago. These are songs that you moped to back then. Yes, yes. Rick Springfield, this song about a specific girl for you? Yes. Right. Same girl I'm not from earlier that I'm not going to name. Of course, because you don't want to... Uh... Also, have you had a crush on her for a really long time? Yeah, I gave up on her about the same time I gave up uh, on dating in general, so it was about a three-year-long crush, give or take. Now, does she know? Yes. All right. She, so she's aware it just uh, was not reciprocated. Um, she 
might have, but I said it when it takes a week for you to give a yes or a no on a will you go out with me. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you want any part of that? No, 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 yeah. don't. No, you yeah. don't need to deal with that wish. Yeah, don't truck with that. Dory, Andy, she'll be sorry one day. That's right. She will. Oh, she already is. Good. She, she dislikes the alternative to me anymore. If you, really, you can hear her muffled screams if you listen really carefully. Is the alternative being buried in your basement? No, the alternative was somebody else who they can't even, they being the people who updated him, can't yes. even stand to be around now. That was some interesting syntax Which right is, there. So is she still seeing this guy? No, no. He moved, moved through girlfriends first. Oh, girlfriend. I see. So she, she rejected you for a player. For a flash in the no. pan. Yes and no. He rejected me, and then while I was still doing that pathetic thing on, well, maybe if I wait. No, that never happens. Never wait. Never wait. Never the other guy. No. Who then, I don't know who dumped who or if they mutually broke up, but they broke up, and then he went with another one of my friends. Really complicated. I don't miss high school at all. Andy, the homeschool kid's top five teenage moping songs. Number one, Tim Riley. You give love a bad name. Bon Jovi. The irony behind this one is that during our first sort of, but not really, date, uh-huh. we were at Oaks Park, and this was the song playing on one of the rides. Oh, it was a for- you know what it is? A foreshadowing is what that was. Yes, yes it was. The universe tipping the hand for what was to come. Yeah. Well, it's good to see this song has timeless appeal. Oh. I go with songs from previous decades, because when you look at the artists this decade has turned out, you've got Britney Spears, Hannah Montana. Right. Not a lot to mope to. Well, not a lot to willingly listen to. That's what I'm saying. Good for you. This is a good list, Andy. Thank you. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of texture here, many layers. Well, I did, the previous ones seemed to depress you if they were all... Uh, <laughs> depress everybody. Uh, the previous lists were a little bit of a buzzkill. Especially because sometimes the songs were followed by, and uh, I was listening to this when my sister fell into a threshing machine. <laughs> you know, or whatever, and you kind of go, oh. Well done. All right. So let's take a break, and uh, let me give the call to action now, as they say. It's 503-733-2970. So uh, here's what we want. We'll do a little high-concept Friday when we come back. Uh, the question is, Andy, as a teenage boy, should know what? What should Andy know as a, as a young man entering the world? What should a teenage guy know? 503-733-2970. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Oh, by the way, Andy, your mom just emailed me. She says, um, why do I feel like my kid is never going to be the same after having been on your show? Good God, what have I done? Uh, well, he was a boy. Now he's a man. Yes. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Andy, the homeschool kid here, uh, Aaron, uh, geek in the city, Duran, and so forth and whatnot. All right. Uh, Andy, thoughts on Sarah Palin last night? We were having an interesting discussion, actually, and we'll get calls in a moment. The, uh, the high concept topic uh, to wrap up this week is, uh, as a young man, what should Andy know? What does a young man need to know about life, love, uh, career, women, uh, whatever? So we'll get to that in a second. We were having this interesting discussion or the debate about... I guess Bobby from KUFO wrote this. I guess he wrote some screed. So I'm like, quit saying Sarah Palin won. It's not true. As we were having this whole discussion about what does it mean to win? Because it's a good point, actually. I don't even know what that means. Because, like, if it's about Sarah Palin winning over me or Sarah Dillon, 
Like, that's never going to happen, ever. Yeah. Like, there's nothing she could have done to convince me she's smart, ever. It's just an excuse for people to just keep saying win, win, win. You right. Know? Like, that could, just that word attached to a name makes it more powerful. Totally. And, you know, and there's nothing Biden could have done to win in the eyes of my in-laws. So that's a good question. I would say that Sarah Palin wins for herself. Because now she can be dining out on speaker's fees forever, and they'll probably push her to run in four or eight years. She won't, and she'll right. fail. She won't. Yeah. But, they'll, but they'll push her to do it. So she came out of that. She she repaired her own career. Uh, McCain is still toast. I mean, th- those guys aren't going to win. But but she did a lot for herself. So and quick, quick thoughts on that? I would say that basically what they were trying to do is the people who are far in McCain's camp aren't ever going to change their mind, exactly. even if he turns out to be, you know, the devil in a politician suit. So, and the people far in Obama's camp aren't going to change their mind for the same reason. Polarization is what that is, yeah. Andy. They're aiming for the middle people who are just, I don't know, Sarah Palin seems pretty good. Maybe. <laughs> that was fantastic. That's exactly what I picture the undecided voter sounding like. Well done. All right, we'll get these. You know what it is? You, I wrote this down at eleven twenty-two last night when I said about Sir Palin. I said this is not about uh, this is not about uh, uh, my wife or my in-laws who are on opposite sides. I said this is about that deeply ignorant American who is sitting there waiting to be told what to do, and that's what she was talking to. And you sound just like that guy. Well, done. no offense. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, so we are going to go to uh, uh, the uh, phones for today's high-concept topic. It's 503-733-2970. What does Andy the homeschool kid need to know as a young man? Keep it clean, please. Don't uh, don't be a wise-ass. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? Uh, I'm going to say uh, no glove, no love. I'm so- what? What, what? No glove, no love. No glove, oh, no love. Oh, there you go. Uh, yes, there you go. Uh, I'm sure his mom is happy to hear that, but we can all agree with that. There yes. you go. All right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Yes, always, 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 always wear a condom. Of course. Always. Do it, because right. you're going to get some chick knocked up, and then you know, your dreams of becoming a baker will be squashed. That's what I'm saying. Forever. Yeah, basically, your life will be over. Yeah, you'll be like that uh, Levi kid. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Advice for Andy the Homeschool Kid. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Hey, I'm, I'm a little teed up. The guy just took mine. I was going to say condoms are cheap and don't fall in love. All right. <laughs> there you go. Love is stupid. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, yeah, don't don't have emotions or think stuff. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Advice for Andy, the homeschool kid. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, Hi. Always double down on eleven and split aces. All right, there you go. Always double down on eleven. Always split aces. And oh, always right. bet on I'll snakes. Remember that every time I'm not ever gambling. All right, there you go. You don't strike me as the gambling type, Andy, unless you devise some count uh, some card counting system. Which I can see you do. You should learn how to count cards. I'm sure your mom would be happy about that. Uh, advice for Andy the homeschool kid. Hi. Don't trust Whitey. Don't never trust Whitey. Never, never. Mm-mm. Don't mm-hmm. never trust Whitey. Even if you are Whitey. Right, well done. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, that guy stole it from me. I was going to say in the words of public enemy, don't trust it. Yeah. Or can't, can't trust it, really. And don't believe the hype. Deal. Okay. Thanks. It's 503-733-2970. Advice for Andy the homeschool kid. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, uh, he should uh, uh, know how to repair cars because, you know, you're broke when you're a kid. That's and true. I don't have a car. Why do I need to repair it? No, nah, but you will someday. you got a dream, Andy. you got to learn these things now, actually. Uh, and then you don't want to be like uh, me going to pay like 50 bucks to have my oil change because I'm, uh, I'm a tool. However, I will say he is on the right path by learning how to bake and cook. He might get mocked now, but let me tell oh, you no, something, chicks sir. Chicks dig that. Yes, they do. Chicks dig that. I've seen that movie with Aaron Eckhart and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? I just think about Catherine me. Catherine Zeta-Jones. 
Yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> you know, and also, well, and here's the other thing. You know how to bake? You know how to cook? You can feed yourself pretty well for not a lot of money. If you know how to cook and you know how to bake, you can eat fairly well without breaking the bank. Unprocessed ingredients cost less than the fully made thing. There that is go. true. The cheetah is the fastest animal on earth. Huh? Yeah, you know, that's, that, we're going to dump that for you. Even sake, when I think you need to hit the dump button. I was just, you know, that's one of those things where I was just kind of a wow before I... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Advice for Andy the Homeschool Kid. Hello, Rick. Hey. Um, Andy, don't eat the yellow snow. Yeah, I learned that at the age of four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thank you. That's right up there with don't eat the big white mint. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Advice for Andy the Homeschool Kid. Apathy is the solution to happiness. Don't care about anything and don't believe in anything. There you go. I already learned that one, but yes, I will continue to. Enjoy your life. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Enjoy your life. Uh, hi, I'm Rick Emerson. Show advice for any of the homeschool kids. This is the best show ever. Yes? Every rose has a thorn. Every cowboy a sad, sad song. Andy, I hope you do well in life. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, Sarah, advice for Andy? Oh, I just say the big condom thing. Um, yeah, just have ambitions other than just being stagnant in life. Aaron, it sounds like you already answer. have that. Oh, that's okay. Aaron, advice for Andy? Well, when it comes to women, don't ever keep calling their house and then hanging up because eventually they'll call the cops. Don't ever show up at someone's house when, when A, you're not supposed to know where they live, and B, you're uninvited. Yeah, don't ever do that. Don't, don't ever do, do that. those things. Yeah. Um, I would say this, uh, on, on a sort of different uh, note, I would say this. Hang around with people you want to be like. If you ever find yourself hanging out with people you don't want to be like, you got to move on. Uh, so he's <laughs> noting us. Thank you so yeah. much. No, seriously, find people that are that are how you want to be, either in a career or just how they carry themselves or how they view things. You hang out with people that you wish to be like. Uh, and as Chuck D would say, if you can't change the people around you, you got to change the people around you. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll do like uh, one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Advice to Andy, the homeschool kid. Andy. Yes. Listen. Take this from. A guy who's married with two kids. Listen to Lycus. You'll be fine. All right, there you go. Uh, and finally, from Chris, this says, if you know a girl you like, just go talk to her. Get her out of your own head and just go talk to her. All of the weird judgments and nervousness really don't mean squat. And you might as well go for it. Otherwise, you will never know. All right, Andy, all right. thank you for coming in. Continued success in life and in all things, my friend. All right. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents uh, Dick Uliano and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as Aaron Geek in the City Duran. New episode of Film Fever Radio up now. It is up right now. All right. Uh, we also want to thank. Oh, I feel like. Do we have anybody else on today? Am I am I dumb? Um, am I forgetting Dick, somebody? We had Steve. Scotty. I got nothing. Scotty J. Oh, sorry about that. Scotty J. All right. Uh, like us next. Michael Mara show at seven. Uh, Miles around tomorrow night. We didn't get a chance to talk to a Kristen Bowie. Musicology though. Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Timmy Ryan this coming Sunday from seven to nine p.m. Listen to it. Musicology seven to nine p.m. on Sunday. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon for AM nine seventy. The talker in the newsroom. Tim Riley. The phones. Richard Bristol. The gatekeeper. Dave Zinn. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. As always, thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it down. See you Sunday, 2 p.m. at Mythbusters. What's up with snakes? Guys, I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. She is a typical.